coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. All right, and welcome once again to another episode of Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. We're a couple of former projectionists, and basically we live in the movie theater. We're there multiple times a week, two or three times. We try to see just about everything. And we want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. We want to make going to the movies fun and to tell everyone what's so great about it. And maybe, you know, hang out, have a few beers in the process. That's how I like to enjoy my movies. Good all around. That's uh, I also like to have beer with my movies, usually, um, as a rule. Fortunately, I go to a lot of AMCs now, so I can't because my AMCs don't have that. Yeah, it's too bad. I wish more of the AMCs had the bar option. Um, there's one around here that does, but it's not very close to me, so it's not really worth it. Uh, that's why I love going to the Alamo Draft House, but that's even further away. <laughs> See, the Alamo is super close to me, but I don't have a subscription service for the Alamo Draft House now, do I? Yeah. Uh, so, Alamo, get on that one. Yeah, I come on, There Alamo. must be a legal thing about AMC and bars uh, here in New York. I think there must be something. Because I feel like New York would otherwise be all about it. So Really? Yeah, but there are places that don't allow like alcohol taken into theaters if they're not being directly... Like, if it's not being served to you. Like, if there's no right. So that's um, Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Because I know Virginia's like that with liquor. So, like, you can only have beer in there and wine. But if it's liquor, there has to be a bartender who's directly serving it to you. Well, um, yeah, so there is one, the one around here does have a bar where you can buy liquor drinks, but it is like a bartender who serves, um, but you can bring it into the theater. No. Yeah. See, no, that's, that's, um, in Charlottesville where I, at the Violet Crown, we we couldn't do that. If you, if you bought liquor at the bar, you couldn't take it into the theater with you. It was not allowed and it was a legal thing. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, the only time I got alcohol at the AMC, I got a beer, but they definitely had liquor there too. So who knows? They they might have forbid forbade me from doing that. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's kind of a rundown of the the various alcohol policies of various <laughs> theaters. If anyone was curious, um, we know I a lot it, about the alcohol policies <laughs> at movie theaters. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to. You know, yeah. it's a it's sort of an occupational hazard. Yep, you gotta you gotta figure that stuff out. Um, and sometimes if the rules aren't friendly enough you gotta you know work around them on your own oh i don't know what you're advocating right now not advocating anything (laughs) (laughs) no comment who said anything about that okay come on (laughs) move it on move it on did we have any news for this week uh i think you had a bit of news you were telling me right before this i was gonna say the biggest news for me happened literally uh like an hour maybe before we decided before we started recording and that was that christopher mccrory has officially signed on for two more mission impossible films uh back to back which is the best news i've heard all week for sure i know the week is young so (laughs) that really hasn't honestly i don't know there's been so far on this monday there's been a lot of good news but that's one of them that's for sure it's a good start to the week certainly i mean sure is uh Mission Impossible series just seems to keep getting better and better. And uh, with him helming two more movies, I think that, you know, sky's the limit at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to see what uh, they can do next. So that's the biggest movie news from the past week for me. Did you Um, have anything? Well, uh, one 
random little bit of news that's come out uh, is that uh, A Dog's Way Home finally came out. So uh, we'll, we won't be seeing the trailer for that anymore. Fortunately, we found a new trailer to get annoyed by recently. Uh, <laughs> that is the trailer for Alita Battle Angel. Oh, God. Which, I mean, there's parts of it that I'm quite excited about. You know, it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, it looks like it could be an interesting story. But God, the the eyes on Alita are so crazy. Um, if anybody, I really hate them. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen this trailer... Um, go check it out because it's it's ridiculous it's like they tried to put anime eyes on a real person with like cgi and it looks so creepy and like otherworldly it's really really unsettling and it's it's the main character so it's going to be like that the entire movie i the just whole can't, time i can't picture myself watching a whole movie with looking at those eyes every couple minutes it's crazy no it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> I really, really hate those eyes. I like close my eyes at night and I see them. It's like, like I'm being followed by Alita Battle Angel herself. Oh my god! Uh, speaking of other directorial announcements, recently, uh, the director of Ten Cloverfield Lane um, was announced. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg was mm-hmm. announced to be the new director for the Uncharted movie. Um, which, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's personally... I've been waiting for that movie for a long time, so I'm hoping they finally make it now. Uh, but I, with a good director on board, that's sort of promising news. I mean, do you think it'll be good? I don't know. I mean, video game movies don't necessarily have the best track record, certainly. You don't say. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? Alone in the Dark was fantastic. Wait. Mm. Uh, House of the Dead? Incredible. Um, hey, hey, no slander to UA Ball on this. <laughs> we can't piss off UA Ball. UA Ball, we're big fans. Come big on fans. the pod. Come on the pod. Um, <laughs> no, but um, so, you know, I I feel like it could be a really great movie because it's, you know, it's got a lot of action, it's got a lot of adventure. The game itself feels extremely cinematic. Um, so really, there's not a whole lot you have to do to make this work on the big screen. You basically just have to show up. And, right. Uh, the story is <laughs> definitely already there. Uh, so yeah. there's a lot of potential, but they just always find a way. Like every single time they find a way to ruin every bit of potential in video game movies. Yeah, that's true. It's It's hard... It's hard to say if there's ever really been a great video game adaptation. Uh, no, at all. Yeah, there has not been a great one. Um, someday, maybe. I have like personal favorites, but like most of those aren't even favorites because I think they're legitimately good. I just like enjoy them because I liked the game so much that I don't care. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, sometimes you just like to see the game that you had a lot of fun playing play out on the big screen uh right but you know sometimes even if the game is amazing you know you're still not gonna like the super mario brothers movie dear oh god i hope not (laughs) what a terrible movie (laughs) it's also like bizarre to see some of the choices they make like you watch the resident evil movies and personally like i felt like it didn't capture my experience of the game in the slightest anytime i watched it like yeah (laughs) i'm like it's very it's just like it feels like a very different world so 
I don't know. Some it's it's weird the way these video game adaptations work. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll hold out some hope for that one. I mean, really, at this point, I'm just hoping we see it eventually. It's kind of been in production hell for a long time. Yeah, but and, ad- uh, a- attaching a director to it is a pretty big step. Yeah, that's good. Always nice. Um, so we had a couple movies this week that we we're going to cover in depth, but. Um, as usual, we've probably seen a bunch more movies recently that we never had the time to cover. So, um, let's go over what we've seen recently that won't be discussed, at least on this episode of the podcast. Um, so last night I saw Bumblebee. Oh, nice. uh, I didn't know that. We've been talking about that off and on for a little while about the, the concept of an actually good Transformers movie. It's shocking. shocking. Um, I thought, yeah, it was pretty good. You know, I still was, I don't feel like I was blown away by it. No, Um, of course not. It certainly wouldn't be like one of my favorite movies of the year, but it was fun. Um, it had, uh, it had some of the same like robot fighting scenes, but I felt like they were toned down a lot more. They weren't so over the top and flashy and hard to keep track of like they were in, um, in the original, the earlier Transformers movies. And um, th- it was also a movie that had a lot of heart to it, I thought. Um, it had a lot of interesting style. I really liked the way they incorporated so much 80s music into it, especially with um, Bumblebee basically talking through music, which I thought was kind of a cool technique. That was fun. I thought one of my favorite aspects about that, or, okay, favorite is a strong word, uh, was how the lead character, Haley Steinfeld, appeared to just be like a cipher for every 80s song ever. Like she had no <laughs> discernible taste of her own. It was just like, if it's an 80s song, I like it. And I was like, that's just contemporary music to you. But like, I like all music <laughs> that's currently popular in this year, 1987. Huh? I was like, okay, I get what I know why you have to play this song, but also, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does she have any like preferences? I don't know if there were a lot of people back then who were fans of both the Smiths and Rick Astley, but right. I feel like she the, is. There's like a Venn diagram of fans there, and there's like very little overlap. Right, but but it was good. It was good hearing those songs. They're they fit in well. Um, the overall like sort of '80s feel of the movie I thought was pretty good. They did a good job of like anchoring it, it in time. Yeah. Yeah. I also think the 80s thing can sometimes be a bit sticky, like doesn't work well, but it works for Transformers. It's a franchise that started in the 80s and still feels very much like that's where it belongs. Yeah. If you ask me, <laughs> I did not see that this week, but you know, I saw it last week, week before, whatever. Uh, this week, I really didn't watch that many movies. I was busy, had uh, people in town over the weekend and lots of other stuff going on. Uh, did watch The Devil's Rejects this week. Uh, been oh, yeah. a few years since I'd seen it, and that was super exciting. That is a classic. It's just an awesome movie. Incredible. Didn't you see Replicants this week? No, I want we to. About it. <laughs> I said I want to see it. Oh, oh okay. well, I did like... Um, I've been going to... So the Nighthawk has been doing... Um, and for those of you who don't know, the Nighthawk is a local cinema here in, New- in Brooklyn. Um that does a lot of like weird programming. And one thing they do right, is their midnight right. movies. And this week, this month they've been doing a bunch of M night Shyamalan movies. So nice, I've been yeah. trying to hit those, uh, anytime I can. So they've done split. Um, they did unbreakable. They are doing the sixth sense this coming weekend. And I definitely plan to go to that. So Ooh, nice. Yeah. It's been a long those time. Are since all, I've seen that. 
uh 35 millimeter which is pretty exciting and cool to watch um yeah oh that's cool and fun i like when they do 35 millimeter screenings uh, like when they did texas chainsaw massacre the original great night man yeah that must have been really gritty yeah, I feel like that was like the right way to watch that movie. It also scared me so badly I couldn't go home afterwards, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's That just means it worked. Right? Yeah, it's definitely effective. It's a very effective film. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's like the, the biggest movie I really watched this week. I watched a... I don't know what else I watched. I feel like I was watching things. Um, I watched Sweet Home Alabama because my roommate wanted to. <laughs> um, nice. I'm nice. not mad about it, just to be clear. I like Reese Witherspoon, but... I feel like mostly I watched college basketball this week. Yeah. So it like, took up too. most of my time and I didn't watch as many movies as I normally would. That's okay. I'll change that this week. I've got a lot I want to see, I think, coming out soon. Yeah, I still want to see um, Mary Queen of Scots coming up. Um, yeah, I want to see that as well. It's been out for a little while. Uh, I was trying to see Holmes and Watson while it was in theaters, but uh, it's starting to, they're cutting down on the screenings a lot already. Uh, that one was becoming sort of notorious for walkouts. So I Can was. Can you believe that they're, uh, they're cutting back on screenings? <laughs> no way! They must be making money hand Shocking. over fist. But uh, yeah, I actually did want to see that too, just because whenever anything gets even negative buzz, if it's that big, I feel like I like have to, you know? Right. Yeah, um, especially because so. like that one, like there wasn't really that much of an idea ahead of time that it was gonna tank. You know, a lot of times you can be you can see a trailer for a movie or the advertising be like, oh, that's going to be terrible. Like nobody's going to see that. But this one seemed at least like it might be kind of popular, but people just hated this movie. Absolutely. It so. Yeah, apparently it's terrible. So that just makes me, you know, intrigued. Although bad comedies are sort of the most painful thing to watch in the entire world. but Right. Yeah. I mean, you can get behind a bad horror movie or a bad action movie or something. They're kind yeah, of fun. Bad horrors, bad actions, and like really bad like melodrama can be really fun to watch. Yeah. And make fun of. But a bad comedy is just like so cringeworthy. That's hard. That's hard to watch. Because yeah. usually it's just like that the jokes are like like insulting to the audience or offensive in general or something like that. Like every single time it's a bad comedy. It's like, mm, this just is not <laughs> right. Like so. if you, if you've ever seen the hottie and the naughty, for example, Terrible. The, uh, <laughs> the Paris Hilton vehicle. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult. Has there ever been a good Paris Hilton vehicle? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, House of wax. <laughs> that wasn't great. really a vehicle though. You not know? great. No, no, I happened say... to be in it. It's more of a Jared Padalecki vehicle, you know. And uh, Alicia Cuthbert. <laughs> oh, right. She was in that? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Back Good before thing. she disappeared from the face of the earth and uh, was never heard from again for some reason. I really have no idea what happened to her. Um, yeah. I mean, like, early to mid-2000s, she was everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was a big 24 fan, so I know. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> And then she was just gone. And who can say why? Not me. But yeah, she was she was the star. It was her and Jared. Bat and uh, no, that was uh, Chad Michael Murray was in that one, too. So, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that was also another one who his star was really bright for like five years. Looks like Alicia Cuthbert was on TV on the ABC comedy Happy Endings for a little she was. while. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Doesn't look like she's been in much else in the past like 10 years 
No. She really hasn't. She was in a, she was in a sequel to The Goon. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I can even, like... I... Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Oh, dear. All right. So, um, basically, uh, the other movie that we both saw this week in theaters was um, Escape Room, which is something that we talked about previously and uh, decided to make a central focus of this episode. And alongside that, we're also going to be reviewing Hostel, which a lot of people have been comparing Escape Room to. And uh, I think we both agree that there are at least a few valid comparisons to be made here. Um, And so uh, moving forward, full spoilers for either one of those movies, because um, we're going to be probably going back and forth a little bit, uh, making comparisons between the two. It's hard to do that without basically spoiling both movies. So heads up. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. I plan to discuss that. Um, there are a lot, I'll try to spoiler alert before I say anything about any movie, but I feel like there's a lot that may get thrown into the mix here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So escape room, uh, wait, Matt, before we get started, um, there was a promise that we made last week. Oh, um, you had to, that had I had to feel remind like, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hold us to this, um, that we, we promised that for every retweet that this episode, that the last episode got on Twitter, uh, that we would take a shot and uh, dedicate it to the person who retweeted us. So um, I'm not sure if these people heard us making that promise, but we're still going to hold ourselves to it because uh, we're gentlemen of honor. That's who we and, are. Yeah. Um, so this week um, we're going to be taking six shots. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> For six different retweets. I, I think we can manage that, right? I'm pretty sure um, I took at least six shots last night, so that's okay. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> how did that? How did that go for you? Those six shots? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't remember leaving the bar or being on the train until I was long past my stop and had to get back on the train going in the opposite direction to go oh, back no. home, and then walked into a Shake Shack to order a mushroom burger and fries, just like hammered. <laughs> oh man. Well, at least so, you made uh, it to a Shake Shack. It went really well. Well, see, the thing is, drunk me really just knows how to, like, do anything. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't lose my, like, sense of navigation. I'm just like, okay, and just, like, (laughs) run around. Now, I will say I think I sprained my ankle, but. Oh, no. It's unclear where, when, how, why. Um, Additionally, one time when I did a tequila shot, a guy, like, patted my back and said, that's a good boy. And I looked him in the eye and said, don't you ever call me that. (laughs) i am not a good boy sir (laughs) i don't know who you think i am but it's not good boy um you don't know me (laughs) so uh that was how those six shots went so let's see how tonight's go okay luckily i'm not getting on a train (laughs) yeah yeah all right we're not going anywhere tonight thankfully so we should be able to survive at least the taping of this podcast yeah um so our first shot goes out to That Film Stew podcast. Uh, the podcast out of Perth, Australia. So um, That's pretty cheers cool. to you, Film Stew podcast. Cheers. Uh, this shot's for you. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. No, where are you shooting? Uh, I've got rum. 
Oh, nice. Um, I've had for about six months, so it's about time to get working on it, I'd say. I have a bottle of Makers. Ooh. That's going to be a fun shoot. Uh, well, at least it's really good. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, so uh, getting started with Escape Room, um, we've introduced in the last episode a new rating system for movies that we're going to keep going moving ahead. Um, so this is called the Blow Scale. Blow standing for beer, liquor, or wine. And uh, we basically assign one of those three to the movie as a drink that we like to consume while we're watching it. And it sort of characterizes the kind of movie we're watching. Um, so in general, that means, you know, beer is fun, wine is classy, and liquors for either crazy or really hard to get through. So um, for this week, uh, I chose beer for Escape Room. Because I thought it was pretty fun. It was it was an entertaining movie to watch. Nothing too difficult about it. Not the highest quality of films, but uh, a good fun movie. And with that goes a good fun drink, like a beer. Yeah, I also chose a beer. Um, I was thinking, you know, the sort of beer that's super drinkable, not too fancy, but still good, you know. So, yeah, because that's how I felt about this movie. All right. So, uh Cheers to you, and let's get started on Escape Room. Yeah, I'm excited. So the basic premise of this movie is that um, several different strangers... How many is of them? Like six? Yeah, it's six. Um, yeah, there's six in the main the main cast Right, strangers. So, yeah, so six different strangers get invited to this escape room. Um, and the, their invitations supposedly at least come from relatives of them. They just get like this mysterious box that invites them to this escape room. That's supposed to be extremely difficult. Uh, so difficult. In fact, that if they get out of it, uh, successfully, they'll get a $10,000 prize. So for some of them, it's the money that's enough to get them there for others. It's the challenge, um, for at least uh, one of them who's uh, like an invest, investment advisor, it's um, because it supposedly came from his client and he, he doesn't want to offend the client. Um, but anyway, they all they all show up at this escape room and um, they, they all have to solve these challenges together to get out of the room. But it quickly becomes apparent that the challenges and the puzzles they have to solve are actually deadly. Let's start, let's just launch in right from there, because actually right. I think that, first of all, it gives a lot about the premise, but also I just want to comment on how it quickly becomes apparent that the challenges are actually deadly, but it still doesn't become apparent to like half of the main cast immediately <laughs> following their room exploding. They're right. like, oh, that was right. just well-timed. And I'm like, no, y'all almost died. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, so there was an actual furnace. <laughs> You've got some of your typical dumb horror movie characters in here who aren't willing to accept the fact that they're in danger right away. I kind um, of thought that was a fun part of the movie, that the characters were all very tropey, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I didn't fault this movie for being too formulaic uh, because I thought that it, it followed the tropes when it was necessary, and other times it subverted them. Um but overall, I thought it did it in a fun way that 
you know, it wasn't trying too hard to be original, but it still had a few tricks up its sleeve, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely agree with that. I mean, yeah, the, I, you have a lot of just like stand, especially in this type of horror, which I guess is really what this episode is all about is a specific brand of like, can you escape? Will you like kill yourself type horror, you know, like that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of like recurring characters that you see. And I feel like this movie brought in a lot of them, like, you know, the like survivalist, like D bag who doesn't care about <laughs> anyone but himself is yeah. definitely a major player here. <laughs> The like, like you know, like stoner alcoholic, like teen guys here, yeah. you know, the nerd guy, the really smart, yeah. yeah, yeah, the hardcore gamer who is just like working <laughs> annoying. Oh. Yeah, so our main characters um, in in the escape room are um, Ben Miller. He is working as a, a stock boy in what is it like a, a hardware store. Yeah, basically, it seems to be some sort of like hardware or crafts store almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was yeah. unclear what type of store it was, really, but it was definitely and like a retail environment. He's he's just supposed to be sort of like a burnout stoner type character. Um, we've got Zoe, who is um, she's like a genius, but um, she's also uh, very introverted. She doesn't really want to talk to people. Um, and that, that is sort of a problem sometimes during the, the solving and that like she can figure out some of the answers, but she doesn't always communicate with everyone properly. Um, there's Amanda who is uh, a war veteran who's clearly got some sort of PTSD going on, but she's, um, like very capable physically. There's Mike. Mike is one of the other ones. He's like a trucker. Uh, yeah. who who was injured on the job uh, a few years before, which he brings out pretty early on. Um, and he's like a really, it seems like he's like a family man, like, you know, that sort of guy. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, there's Jason, who's the, um, the investment advisor, um, who is sort of a, like always puts himself before everyone else. He's always trying to be the best uh, to outwit everybody else. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a lot. Uh, and then there's <laughs> Danny, who is our resident like escape room egg expert who plays a lot of video games and does a lot of these like escape room challenges. Yeah, he's like like the uber escape room nerd. He says he's done like a hundred of these rooms or something like that. Something crazy. Um, yeah, it was like ninety two or something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, are there even that many? I don't understand. He must be like flying around to different ones. Like how, what does he do that allows him to spend that much time and money going to escape rooms? Uh, I felt like he was like a kid. So, <laughs> so really what does he do? Yeah. And this? as we all find out quickly, like his whole family's dead. So I don't even know how he's like alive, but anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, okay, that's well, is he alive? But also like, that's a whole other conversation. Maybe um, he hosts a podcast about escape rooms. You know? Oh my gosh, that'd I be mean, so cool. That's how he makes his money. It's so very lucrative, this podcasting business. Right. Obviously. Also, where was this movie set? Just as a sidebar, because they mentioned Manhattan at the end, but it's definitely not in New York because they have to fly there. Right, yeah. The, um, that's like a secondary place that they're going. So I think it's Chicago. 
That would make sense. I mean, it's the obviously river it's... looks like the river in Chicago. Like they show that aerial view at the end. Right. I yeah, always think about of... this when I watch horror movies, especially where like this number of people die like all at once. Like <laughs> I always think about where it's set. Like anytime I watch a Saw movie, I'm always like, where is this that nothing is happened? Like that nobody can figure out anything. Like what's going on here? I think um, the best going theory is that the Saw series takes place in Detroit. Uh, well, it's like Canadian, isn't it? That's what a lot. What uh, do you mean? Like it takes place in Canada or it was made in Canada? Well, it's like, well, the, the, a lot of the crew is, I was just pretty sure that it was Canadian. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe. Um, the theory was always that like, since Detroit's been going through the, um, the collapse of the auto industry, that there's a lot of abandoned warehouses that uh, Jigsaw can set up his traps in. But, you know, this isn't buzzed on saw or buzzed saw or whatever. We, we digress a little bit. Back well, to it's saw still again. it's like a relevant. It's true. It's true. It's actually quite bringing relevant. up saw is extremely relevant to this movie. That's and true. just like thinking about the logistics of like how like it's one thing I think about anytime I watch a movie like this where it's like you have like some sort of killer who has clearly has a ton of money first of all and has somehow managed to hide this massive operation which is really right. not relevant like I don't really care about that like I think that's beside the point of analyzing the film is how they like the like plausibility of it is not re interesting to me at all it's yeah. just always like a funny like sidebar to think about like how have they done this like how do the people in escape room have a like 20 story building in Chicago yeah, where they exactly. trap people and murder them and this i think like even more so than saw this one really brings up that question because the just the sheer elaborateness of some of these rooms and the technology that they're able to employ in there is insane even compared to jigsaw like jigsaw uh, is like one dude doing like some regular relatively elaborate traps but this is like mind-blowing like next-gen technology um basically yeah. carried out by some massive organization yeah this is like technology that i don't think exists yet so i don't know what's going like when they have the like force field room <laughs> where they walk in and it's actually like they're outside in a snowy arctic whatever <laughs> and like yeah everything's frozen and there's like sky and everything and i know it's like just like the ceiling and stuff like reflect like made to look like that but it's like this is insane the amount of money oh, yeah. being poured into this or like even just like they go into a room at one point where it's like a billiards room but it's upside down so they're like standing on the ceiling when they walk in and the floor just drops piece by piece. And I was like, the, just like the timing and craziness of like this room built at the top of a 20 story building and having nothing underneath it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so should we just go through each room uh, that they have to go through in sequence? Um, yeah. I mean, the rooms are interesting. Um, yeah. Well, the first room they go into is like, they don't even know that they're in the game yet. They think that they're in the waiting room. And right. then, uh, the guy Ben is like, well, I'm going to go out and catch a smoke while we wait. And so when he tries to leave, he turns the doorknob and it breaks off behind him. Mm -hmm. um, so basically signifying that they're trapped in the room and can't go anywhere. And it has an oven dial on it, which for anyway. And what happens is 
Um, Zoe sees Fahrenheit 451 is in there and thinks that the code to get through the door will be 451. Um, gotta say, I know she didn't know they were in a death trap yet, but I just wouldn't turn an oven dial to 451 <laughs> in a room in an escape room ever. This sounds like, like I a would great just, idea. Yeah, I would assume that things are going to get very warm immediately, which, by the way, is what happens when the room becomes an oven. Right. But normally you wouldn't expect the room to get hot enough that it would kill you because at this right. point they don't know they're in a death trap. Yeah, I would have. I would have. But I would assume I feel like looking at it, I would be like, well, it might get warm enough to be uncomfortable if I do this. Right. So maybe yeah. let's give it a second first, not just rush over and turn it on. Um, That's true. And at that point, like so they first pull off the doorknob and then they're looking around for a clue. And at that point, there's like no sort of. Uh, ticking clock or anything there's no reason they have to rush uh, but she like right away turns the dial and then everything starts heating up and then they have to like quickly figure out what to do before they all get fried right and there's like a lot of clues in the room that like even before Fahrenheit 451 there's a lot of references to like fire and like just like heat you know like um, the one one woman looks down at the newspaper and it's like five burned alive and like like they look around and there's just all these references to like heat waves yeah. and fires. And I was like, hmm, major red flag that turning on the oven dial is a bad idea. But yeah, whatever. Like maybe take a minute to like decompress, gather your gather right, your senses. Right. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. So basically the room starts heating up. They're trying to figure out how to get out. Uh, most of the things they try just make things heat up faster the entire room like all these different um like hot red hot type filament structures appear around the room basically turning it to, into the like the inside of an oven um and they like nothing they do seems to work until they um they get this clue from a telephone uh, which basically tells them to to follow the rules, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, it says follow right. the posted rules, which, by oh, the way, was a useless clue. <laughs> it really was because, you know, if if the rules were already posted, they could have just, like, those clues already existed. They could have just followed those. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, one of the clues says to, um, to always use the coasters, Um Okay, I really like that rule because that's also my philosophy, so that was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this movie basically shows you that if you don't follow basic decorum in somebody else's house, you're going to get fried. You're going to so, die. Yeah. So you might uh, want to get on I'll that. Like yeah. Um, Encouraging coaster etiquette. It's great. Yeah. But so they get out of that room uh by opening the secret door with the coasters and going through a vent yeah. and then everything explodes well, and they they have to they have to like press down on all six of these coasters at once on the table right because the coasters aren't coasters they're they're like, they're like buttons in little the table. buttons in the table and so like they start going down the secret passage but they can't hold down all six at the same time so they have to like fill um fill cups with water to put on the coasters but then one of them had had taken a drink earlier from the cooler that they're using, so there wasn't quite enough water. That's crazy <laughs> because what if somebody had just drank all of it? They would have just all been screwed. Yeah, like yeah, and they had no now, way of knowing. 
I would but, say that I looked around that room like while they're doing this, I was like, there are a million things you could put into a cup right now. Like yeah. just like roll up all of those magazines. Okay. You could have just pissed in the cups and then yeah. like it oh would have been God. fine. I thought that I thought that was what was gonna happen. Well, this <laughs> was a PG thirteen film. They didn't go that pee. way. Uh instead yeah. the the stoner kid ends up pulling out a flask of whiskey and pouring it in the cups. But before that is like one of my favorite lines in the movie. Where uh, like the game nerd Danny is like freaking out at him, is like you let her drink all our clues. <laughs> I actually really loved that line. That was very funny. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> just like shout out to Nick Nod- Nick Dodani who played Danny, who I thought was just like hilarious and his like not huge role as nerdy Danny. Like yeah, like he was, he was just funny. like very funny the whole time. He's one of those comedic reliefs that you actually miss when they get killed off early. They're like, oh, darn. Like some of them, sometimes it's the annoying guy and you're like, oh, thank God he's gone. But like he was actually pretty entertaining. Yeah, he. I thought he was he was just, you know, funny. He was engaging. Um, So was sad to see him die, but we'll get to that. So yeah. I'd like to to comment if this were a different horror film maybe like a hard r like a saw or a hostile to get out of the room they would have had to like pour their own blood into each of those six cups to f- to weigh them down there basically was a a trap like that in saw uh i think it was saw yeah what's five. the one where they have to like stick their hands onto the saws um, yeah that was, i think that was saw five was the ones they have to they yeah because it's right before the the healthcare one yeah <laughs> Before, so, the the watermark that we all use to judge the saw franchise well it really is like when the saw takes like a hard like it like significantly rebounds from two very bad movies yeah and then it's like shockingly good um but yeah that does happen in a saw movie i just kept thinking the whole time i was like man if this had an r rating you know what would be happening right now we'd be watching somebody unnecessarily slice open their entire arm the blood yeah yeah you know you never you never just like cut a little bit of your palm or something you have to like gouge out your entire arm well and saw they let the buzzsaw go all the way up to like their elbow and then their arms just like flapping around and i'm like well you're not making it out of here now like you're bleeding out like they saw their entire arms in half like a freaking tree branch and it's like well you know you could it's not like you're bleeding any more from there than if you'd like just slice your wrists and if yeah. anything, if anything, the blood is like going everywhere now, as opposed to just spurting right into the container. Yeah. Although that was a saw about urban development. So <laughs> I also have a lot of thoughts I can say on that. Um, Yet another one of those uh, saws that attack big, uh, big topical issues of our time. Yeah. Anyway, so they escape the hot room um, and everybody's intact at this point. And what they come into is <laughs> the cutest little cabin ever. Um, it's very nice after what they've just been through. It's just like kind of, oh, it's a pleasant little cabin. Yeah. Just hang out in here. So at this the point, cab- they, they know that people are like that. They're basically that they can die in here, basically. And that this isn't just a normal escape room. Well, like a few of them know that. And then the other half seems pretty chill about it. <laughs> like. Like Danny, the d- gamer kid is like, guys, come on. That was just like well-timed, like whatever. Right. And 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so convenient that it blows up like right after we get through there. I'm like, well, yeah, it is convenient, isn't it? But yeah, that's beside the point. And I'm not convinced that Mike the trucker thinks it's real at that point either. He's just like, okay. Um. So <laughs> I was like, hmm. Okay, guys. Well, you all would have died, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. No. Whatever. They. They. As a whole, they're remarkably like not phased by that even those that are aware that they're in danger at this point are just kind of like hey let us out you know i mean i okay oh damn we almost died (laughs) so i've done one escape room in my life it was clearly not this intense and (laughs) you know i'm just saying that if i had been in a room where the heat had switched on even a little bit because I did something, I would be in full on panic mode. I'd be like, I'm in a I'm in an enclosed room and the heat is up too high. Like <laughs> let me out, let me out. Yeah. So some of them handled it with I mean, props to them because I would have been like, I'm in full meltdown mode right now. You have to carry me. I'd be dead weight. They dump me into the ice river. Whatever. I would have used Eleanor's strategy from the good place, which is you just start smashing everything around you until the game master tells you to stop and like makes you leave. I have the wiki open for this movie, and I just read that in Poland the film's release was delayed because some five Polish teenagers died in an escape yeah. room fire. Yeah, um, I heard I'm of just that. I okay, five teenagers die in escape room fire. I'm just saying that there's a headline in the newspaper in this movie that says five die in fire. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is this the greatest promotional stunt of all time? Like, <laughs> that's insane. Oh no. <laughs> oh um, I feel like that's like a self call out. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, no, like that. Yeah, that I remember hearing about that like right after i went to see the movie and i was like damn i wonder if this is gonna be one of those things where it's just like an unfortunate timing but... man anyway that's not relevant i just <laughs> i just happened to read it and i was very shocked by the number and like the whole thing that was happening there um yeah so so then they... they're in the cabin the cabin turns out to be like a placeholder room. Like it's like a waiting area, basically. Yeah. Um, they just have to figure out how to get out of that little area into the next room. Right. They have to put the word Rudolph into a lock. Yeah. Um, because and reindeer. The way they come up with the word though, is basically the first of several flashbacks that sort of give you um, a little backstory on each of the characters in this one. Um, you see Ben looking at these skulls of deer on the wall. Um, and the clue is um, you'll go down in history. Uh, and like he's looking at these skulls and you see like a flashback to him driving in a car, clearly very drunk. And they're singing along to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> which is, you know, I don't know about you, but that's what I do with my friends when I'm drunk. Okay. Uh, if you've never drunkenly sang along to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I pity you. <laughs> It sounds Never like a, good a car, time. though. Just to be clear. Oh yes, yes. We we don't advocate drunk driving. Um, this the film does not advocate it either. Um, no, the film punishes very yeah. him very heavily for drunk driving. They're singing the 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 final line. You'll go down in his story, and then like 
you see you see them crash the car um well so like clearly that line is um is very um it's very traumatic to him very traumatic yeah, yeah. that song and, would be in general yeah and so, so the, it's clear that the game masters the people who designed it knew that and put that into the game intentionally um so like the the other people in the room don't aren't clear on how he gets the answer so quickly but he he is the only one who can figure out that clue and that's what gets them out of the cabin Unfortunately, getting out of the cabin might have been a massive mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because they leave Much the cabin worse. and they're suddenly in the iciest room ever, but it's like also outdoors. It's very confusing. Yeah. It looks um, like they're outside basically in like a, like sort of a, um, a snowscape in winter, um, just out in the, in the woods somewhere. Yeah, but they so they're outside and there's like this ice river that's right in front of the cabin. And that's the, you know, that's there and it's snowy everywhere. It looks like it stretches on for ages, but it turns out it's just like some weird force field wall that's been designed to look like it stretches on forever. Um, but when Nick touch or not Nick, when Danny touches it, Nick is the actor, uh, the room like turns on basically and more cold air starts blowing in. Um, so also just to be clear, they've gone from like the hottest room ever to the coldest room ever Yeah, within the span of like 10 minutes. They're Um, already being put through like absolute hell physically. Just yeah. This is like when you go to Disney world and ride a test track and you go through the hot room and then the cold room and you're like, well, I think I'm going to (laughs) be sick later. (laughs) Um, And then you get, and then you go outside and they bump you up to 60 miles an hour and you're going (laughs) and you're like, oh, well. This is great. No one I gave me a barf bag for this stand. ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they basically in this room have to figure out a way out before they all get hypothermia and freeze to death and die, which is a callback to Jason, our uh, favorite uh, high-powered rich man. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, he has... So they, they, they have one coat among them that they find in the trees. Um and they basically have to swap it around uh, trying to keep from getting hypothermia. And there's a flashback for Jason where um, he remembers uh, being out boating with a friend of his and they're both sitting like the, the boat is sinking and they're both sitting on, on the upturned boat and there's only one coat between them. Um, and so you, you'll, you see that little flashback of his and he recognizes that the coat like the coat is exactly the same type of coat so he recognizes that they put that in there intentionally as well um which is a crazy detail for them to know they Um, know the exact brand of coat like same color same i mean i assume that i mean as you learn that uh jason is the only one who survives that ordeal out on the 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 cold water Um, i'm assuming he came back in the coat i mean yeah. That seems likely. So, so I mean, so someone some... theoretically could have known it, but it's still like an insanely detailed thing to know. Yeah. So that is wild to me. Um, also, I was mad that it didn't like become Titanic at that point. I really thought there would be like a, <laughs> a door issue and they'll never be, like, let go. Yeah. Jason wasn't that interesting. It turns out. Yeah. No, so. 
I don't think he <laughs> was capable of love, but no, no, he was he was a bit of a sociopath. Um, but yeah, basically they find uh this key frozen in a um a block of ice that they pull out of um a hole in the ice um using a fishing rod it's like a very complex um series of steps they have to take to get yeah, this key they have to like zoe finds a thing that says true north is a lie so she goes true north which was confusing and reaches into a fake polar bear to pull out a weight or a magnet yeah. and mike finds a fishing pole at the top of a tree i don't know and then <laughs> they attach the magnet to the fishing pole and drop it through a fishing hole in the the ice river that um ben has accidentally opened <laughs> yeah yeah oh ben like ben like accidentally falls through the ice uh, like soaking one of his legs so he's like freezing on one side of him yeah uh, and he's like complaining about it the whole time and yeah. like they actually so one of the things i actually really liked about this movie was i thought the dialogue was really good they like they get really annoyed with each other and they'll like snipe back at each other they always have clever things to say i thought and that scene in particular um when like Ben was like just like yelling at people about how cold he was and they were like, Oh, shut up, stop being such a baby and stuff like that. It was just it was really funny, I thought. Um but like I found the dialogue in general to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, no, I liked it. Where um, generally like there'll be a lot of filler dialogue in a movie like this. I thought most of it was pretty uh it suited the movie well. Well, I thought it helped that the the actors that we had here, uh, in particular, I thought Logan Miller as Ben, Deborah Ann Wall as Amanda, and Nick Dadani as Danny were just like really good, like in the moment, like like really they were just had great timing when they were doing their like back and right. forth. So um, some of them, um, Zoe was good when she got a chance to, but her character didn't say as much for most of the runtime. Right. Um, yeah, so she was, was kind of introverted. So, like, yeah, she didn't have as much to say. Yeah. And Jason was just, like, frustrating. But he was, I mean, the actor was good. But Yeah. And um, he was supposed to be a jerk. And he yeah. basically was a jerk the entire time. Yeah. So. And and Mike was fine. But he was just, like, a sweetheart. Um, what a sad, poor Mike. Um, Mike deserves so much better. Um, yeah. So, anyway, they, yeah, Ben has fallen through the ice. And... Yeah. Ben then gets mad and goes to smoke a cigarette in this enclosed ice chamber. I don't know. And they've, <laughs> they've gotten the key out of the river to get out of the room, but the key is enclosed in a massive block of ice, which first of all, this is the worst torture this escape room came up with was being like, you have to put your hands on the ice until it melts. Yeah. That was the only way they could figure out how to get it. So at first they tried to, their idea was they're going to melt it with Ben's lighter, which but- is also ridiculous. Yeah, um, like yeah, <laughs> you're gonna tiny use lighter. little lighter to melt a huge block of ice. Like, I mean, it's huge, a f- like two feet on each side. Yeah. Um, but so like they're like begging him for the lighter, and he goes to toss it uh, to Danny, and when Danny goes to pick it up, he like falls through the ice, like the ice sort of like explodes under him, and yep. then he he gets drowned under the ice. So that sucks. Yeah, that's our first. Danny at that point uh, was still thinking it was just like a fun little game. 
Yeah. And then he, he dies. Um, yeah. And that's the first casualty there. So it's the first time they see like, yeah, you can die here. Uh, this is, they're not messing around. You know, what's upsetting is that they all immediately assumed he actually died. It could have been like Charlie in the chocolate factory. He could have just gone down river and been okay. Yeah. And then like the little Oompa Loompas come out and they do a little song. Yeah. <laughs> They've all seen Charlie in the chocolate factory. They know that that I'm happens. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying that they really, I mean, they were willing to jump to the conclusion there, but with the exploding chamber, they were like, ah, no, that's fine. Um, in a way, this it. is sort of like a darker version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's Only, a little bit like that. Yeah, nobody inherits the escape room at the end of it, unfortunately. Well, but maybe they that, do. We that would have been a great people. way to finish up. Um, maybe in the if it's like Saw, that's actually the premise for the next six movies. Oh, is yeah. Who inherits the escape room. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, eventually they they melt their way through the ice. They get the key. They go to the next room. They all are sad that Danny's dead, but they're trying to push on and survive. Like one of them is sad. <laughs> yeah. They're like, <laughs> he couldn't survive. Like, this is every man for himself. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not fair to say. I think everybody's upset except Jason. Yeah. It's mostly but... Jason who's all like, you got to be tough to survive. Like, you got to. But Zoe is like the most upset, like yeah. easily. Like, she's really bothered by this. Um, yeah. So then they get through to the next room, which is my personal favorite. Um, yeah, this was a great room. This was this awesome. is so clever and unique. They show up in like what at first looks like a pool hall, but um, then like the camera flips over, you can see they're actually in an upside down pool hall. They're standing like on what would be the ceiling, and then the whole structure of the pool hall is up is on the ceiling above them. Um, there's a phone in there and they get this phone call. Um, and it, yeah. is it, it's the phone. The phone is playing music, right? The phone is the one playing the music. No, it's just speakers throughout the, the room, but it seems that the phone triggers what happens. So right. like anytime the phone does something, the song restarts. And then when the song ends, a piece of the phone, floor which is the ceiling drops away yeah and the song that's playing is uh downtown by petula clark uh but it's like this really weird glitchy version of it well it doesn't start that way either it's worth like it like becomes glitchier and glitchier because every time Every like a piece of the floor will fall and then it restarts every single time. Yeah. And every time the song gets like creepier and creepier as it gets like weirder and weirder and like the pitch shifts and it like skips around and like they did a really good job of making that song, which is like kind of an upbeat, silly pop song into something like truly menacing. Also, I love when the song comes on and Ben Miller's like, he goes, oh, great, we're going <laughs> to die to elevator music. And I was like, how dare you? Somebody please stop this song. <laughs> Downtown yeah. is a classic. He's what once again, like complaining music. throughout the whole thing, which is still manages to be funny. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. Um, I also but, the whole time it was like playing over and over and over again. I kept thinking about that John Mulaney bit about what's new pussycat. And just like. <laughs> Yeah. being somewhere trapped with the same song over slowly and over. driving you insane yeah. yeah but yeah basically they like the floor or the floor ceiling here is falling away 
and they have to figure out how to get out of the room before it all goes down and they all go down with it. Um, and they, they have to solve a couple of different puzzles on the wall. Um, there's one sort of like tile game thing, like the sort where you're like shifting the tiles around to make a picture. Um, yeah. One of those like weird puzzles, which I actually really enjoy. They have to solve some sort of riddle with the pool balls that are on the table over their head. Um, Amanda has to like climb up to this small safe on the ceiling and they have to figure out the combination to it. And um, when they finally figure that out, they get the key out of there and she like most of the floor is gone at this point. Um, So she has to like climb along the, the pool table hanging from the ceiling with her arms to try to get to the platform that lets them out of the room. Um, and she ends up um, falling from there and throwing them the key at the last second, basically sacrificing herself so they can all get out of the room. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, she's, you know, a veteran, so that's what she does, I guess, um, which right. is supposed to be the point. But also, um, my favorite thing about that is when she's, like, falling and she grabs onto the telephone, which is a corded telephone, which is just <laughs> yeah. astounding. And Classic. she's holding onto the corded telephone and everybody's like, hold on. She's like, no, it's fine. And I'm like, okay, y'all are so concerned about telling her to hold on. But, like, I feel like that cord's going to snap. Like, There's no way that's going to hold. <laughs> it's a corded telephone. Let me tell you, I had a lot of those. They don't last that long. They this break is going- very like, easily. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Too easily. What? Um. It did make me want to get a corded telephone, though. So, oh yeah, know. retro. Yeah, bringing them back. I think I could, and <laughs> also they could save your life if you can just hold on a little longer. <laughs> yeah, so. if you're ever in a situation where the floor falls away, you just grab onto your corded telephone. It'll be fine because it was really heavily bolted into the ceiling. <laughs> um. But yeah, so she dies, and that's really sad, because um, I liked her. Yeah, but and then the next room that they come to, um, it's like a hospital room, sort of, um, which was it seemed it reminded that point was what reminded me the most of the Saw franchise. It was very the aesthetic looked yeah, so aesthetic. similar. All the medical equipment around, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, because it's worth noting that up till then, like visually, it'd been a very like clean film visually. Like there yeah. was no, like it, but then they get to the hospital room and it's like grimy, it's cluttered. There's like this like bluish greenish tinge to the whole room. Um, yeah. So, and so there's um this is like the big uh plot reveal of the movie. Um, there's different sections throughout this room that are um they're done up like different hospitals or different hospital rooms and um one of them's like an like an army field hospital another's like um a hospital in like a southeast asian country um and basically they all figure out that there's one room for each one of them uh and it's it's a hospital room that each one of them is been in before that they've recovered in from some sort of near death experience. Um, 
and um the one for the army one is there for amanda who um was hit by an ied in iraq um and there, there's one there for ben after his car accident which killed all his friends when he was driving drunk right um, i mean basically everybody had a, an experience right yeah so um and uh yeah zoe went down on um like she was on a in a plane crash that killed everyone else including her family except her um and uh mike was in that um uh, was he in a trucking accident i think no mike or... was in a coal mining accident right yeah yeah the mining um and then there was the room for jason after his whole boat incident yeah and then uh danny had his room with the carbon monoxide poisoning that killed his whole family mm -hmm. um so yeah that was sad we find out that they're all like basically the last survivors um of some major accident that killed a bunch of people um well maybe excluding jason it only killed one person but still um yeah so that is where they are at and a, a video comes on basically that uh says something about um i don't know it it's something about they only like something can be done in five minutes basically. And so a timer starts counting down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It basically reveals that they're, they're testing survivors. Yes. Um, people who survive big things and they're testing their ability to survive. Um, and the video that plays is pretty creepy uh, and funny. It is really creepy. Time. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but basically they, they get told that they only have like five minutes to survive. And the room starts filling with carbon monoxide, right? Um, yes. For well, some sort of poison. It doesn't really yeah. say what it is, but yeah, I just I, I assumed it was carbon monoxide because they also figured out the uh, the thing with Danny and the carbon monoxide. But yeah, I could. I mean, really it makes the most any... sense, and most of the rooms are somehow designed to trigger specifically. Yeah. Uh, some of the victims' incidents. So. So they're they're trying to figure out how to get out. Um they have like some sort of puzzle they have to solve with the various x-rays that are in each of the rooms of um, each of their little hospital rooms. Um, and they figure out they have to do something with the heart rate monitor that's in this little hospital place. Um, yes. And um, Jason thinks at first you have to get like the heart rate up really high and he convinces Mike to put it on and to uh, get zapped with the EKG machine, um, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's Mike agrees to that from Jason of all people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he manages to talk him into it. It's like, why don't you do it if you think that's the way to get out of here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that doesn't work. Basically, ends up killing him. So that's. That's yet another fatality, this time not even really from the rooms, just Jason being an asshole. Um, when it turns and, out all along, it wasn't how high you can boost your heart rate. It's how low can it drop. Yeah. So, And Jason figures that out next. He puts it on himself and just sort of like breathes slowly to get his heart rate to go down. While the yeah. room is being filled with poison. That's, yeah. 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 
And meanwhile, during all of this, uh, Zoe is going around just smashing all the little surveillance cameras in the room yep. because they've been like watching them the whole time. And she's like, you can't let them see or something. Um, she's just smashing all the cameras. And then so when the door finally gets unlocked, they have like a few seconds left before the time runs out and they all die from the gas. Um, and they're trying to like the only people who are alive at this point are Zoe, Ben and Jason. And they're like Ben and Jason are leaving. They're trying to get Zoe to come. And she's just like, no, I'm staying here. Um, which doesn't make any sense at the time. No, um, she's late, but she says that's the way out. So yeah, she just like stay. that's not the way out. Like that, that you can't play their game or something like that. Yeah. And, um. So like they they're basically forced to leave her, and she apparently succumbs to the gas. Um. Uh. And they they make it into the next room, which is the next room is absolutely insane. Yeah, the next <laughs> room is very funny. The next um, room is so nuts. So it's like a big, like, it's not even big. It's actually kind of small. Um, Very small room, yeah. But it's like the walls and everything are all like black and white checkerboard, basically, sort of. But like checkerboard is the wrong word, but it's like a black and white pattern print. Yeah, it's like um, an irregular checky, checkerboard. It's like warped in places. Right. It's like sort of uh, an optical illusion. Yes. And so there's like a hatch on the floor that clearly you're supposed to open. And so they go to open it. And it's just Ben and Jason. And when they open it, they notice that there's some sort of residue on their hands and the floor hatch like is like bright when they open it. And it turns out that on their hands is some sort of like psychedelic or something. Some sort of hallucinogenic poison because there's also a clue that they see that basically tells them they have to find the antidote. Yeah. And so like at this point, like, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, like, it thinks. First of all, visually, the film becomes insane right here. It's extremely warped. Like everybody's faces become like super distorted, and like the room starts to like sort of spin around. It's very, um, very disorienting. Very like warped sort of view it takes. Yes, and Ben finds an antidote in the midst of all of this while they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Jason notices, and the two, like, get into a fight, basically. Like, a physical brawl. Um, which is insane. And also, it's insane that there's only one cure. I guess this isn't Saw, so it's not like they wanted everybody to live if they could. Like, they probably yeah. wanted most people to die. But, like... No, at this point, I guess, like, this last room sort of exists as, like, a, a filter, finally. They're like, we're only getting one person past here, regardless. Yeah, but you could have, like... I was thinking about this. You could easily, like, at that point, a lot of people could have survived, and clearly you only needed two people to open the hatch. So if, like, two other people had been in the room, what would right. have happened? Yeah, they might not have gotten the poison on their hands. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a bit of a loophole. Uh, we found a loophole. Mainly it's just a flaw in the, the Game Master's plans. Like, yeah. yeah, I didn't think that through. Yeah, but um, only only two were alive, so uh, it worked out for them, I guess. And, you know, Jason tries to fight Ben for the antidote. Um, ben, like, slams his head into the hatch, basically, and then injects the antidote into himself. 
and leaves yep. for the next room, leaving Jason behind to die. Yep. Um, so at this point, Ben is ostensibly the only survivor. Um, and he's in a room that we saw in the opening. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of a confusing choice. So they they opened the movie with this room uh, and then they flashed back to like several days previously to sort of set up the rest of it. Uh, I don't know how well it worked, except um, basically the... So we expect, because we see him running the room in the uh, opening scene, that he's going to survive to that point and that he's also going to be the only one still alive. Um, Right. So I agree with you. I didn't think that structurally it made much sense to do this. I think that um, it's sort of like makes it clear that he's not going to die for so much of it that it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. And also it's like, it kind of sets him up as like the lead character, which I don't think is true. Um, Right. And then it also like, it just kind of like does something weird with the stakes. Like, I don't know. It, it really should have been like, if they wanted a cold open like that, they should have done like, like it becomes very clear that these games have been played before by the same company elsewhere. They should have just done like a scene from another one, like <laughs> something totally different. Yeah, no, like the 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 saw formula where you see somebody die in the opening scene, and it's not really connected to the main plot, but it just sort of sets up uh, the stakes and the fact that you know Jigsaw kills people with um, these elaborate traps where they're tested uh, in their survival abilities. Um, so that's what I was expecting, but then he ended up being one of the main characters. So it was like, oh, okay, that didn't that. Well, we know he survived, so that kind of spoils that, right? Yeah, it was a really. I feel like that was a really, really bizarre choice. I don't think it was the right one. So the uh, like the basic outcome of that scene, though, I think what I think they were going for is like that. That room is pretty straightforward. I think like. He's like solving these riddles quickly by looking around at the wall at various pictures and stuff while one of the walls is like compressing in on him. Sort of like that scene from Star Wars and the garbage compactor where he's like trying to (laughs) everything's smushing in on him. He's trying to find a way out. I just thought about the room in Saul where that happens. That happens in Saul 5. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah. And it's and I kept thinking about how if this were an R-rated film, again, what it would look like. Because I literally have proof of that, and it was disgusting. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Because he, he basically almost gets squished. Like, the walls are really pressing up on him. And I was expecting, yeah, to see, like, a lot of blood and, like, broken bones like you do in that scene in Saw. But um, you don't really see any of that. And then he escapes by hiding in a fireplace. Uh, as the wall pushes through. Which is clear, um, again, it's like another room that like would weed out if there were more survivors, I guess. Um, yeah. Because only there's only one, one way out of that room, and that's through the fireplace. Right. Everything else was sort of like a like a red flag. Like he was looking for like this code to this like door thing and like all of this stuff, and it's like clearly none of that worked. You just had to hide in the fireplace. Yeah. So what I think was the point of showing that scene at the beginning was that you expect that he's going to be the only one still alive at that point. And then at this point in the movie, it's subverted by uh, revealing that Zoe is actually still alive. She um, 
for some reason they had a freaking oxygen tank in the hospital room that she was able to breathe out of. Yeah, um, I don't know why. My only thought was that it must have been for like the the people who work the maze. Like, yeah. But she uses that to like sort of fake that she's passed out while still breathing, and uh, like the people come in to clean up the room, and she kills them and then runs out. Um, yep, that but, is true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then Ben shows up at this uh like sort of empty warehouse type room where they've got a bunch of different like video screens set up and like a bunch of cases that clearly hold all sorts of technological equipment and um the game master shows himself finally and basically explains what they're trying to do with the whole thing which is they're they hold these games where they test different groups of people. And this time it was survivors of these big accidents, but they've also tested different groups of people in the past, like college athletes and stuff like that. And they basically, um, they're like a group of really rich, really powerful people who hold these games to just sort of pit people against each other and see the human will to survive. Um, uh, which sort of, what that was our connection to uh hostile it's sort of similar to the group in hostile that um you know tortures and kills people for fun it's sort of a different um way of doing it but it's still the same basic premise that it's like like a group of really rich and powerful people and like the only way they can still entertain themselves is by like watching people like die pretty much right um very disturbing yeah, I think that that is like the one of the main parallels is just that um, in Hostel, it's, yeah, those rich people who decide that they just want to kill people. That's how they're going to do it. And they have to pay a ton of money to do it. And here it's the same thing. They're basically killing these people, even if they're not actively involved the way they are in Hostel. Yeah. And so the game master, you know, he like reveals all this stuff to him. And Ben thinks he's, you know, he's going to be let go because he's the winner. But it, Instead, the game master like tries to kill him just to like finish everybody off, I guess. Like nobody gets to walk away from this. So that's that's a way it's different from Saw, you know, because Saw he does let them go if they manage to survive. Um Right. But, but they, I mean it makes sense the more realistic action would be to kill everyone so that there would be no yeah. nobody to report. You don't that want happened. anybody walking right to the police and be like, hey, like these people are just throwing people in an escape room and trying to kill them. Although, um, as it turns out, we'll find out in like 10 minutes after this scene that they have a really elaborate way of just getting rid of all evidence. So, yeah. But anyway, he tries to kill Ben. Zoe shows up. She kills the game master. They both escape. They go to the police. And of course, when they go back to the escape room, like nothing's there. It's like an abandoned warehouse. Like, Somehow they've scrubbed every single bit of evidence from this place. Um, Which is crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Um, it, and it makes no sense that they were able to move all that stuff out there in like the, a matter of maybe like an hour or two. Right. When they were able to. But whatever. There's some super powerful wealthy organization. Clearly they've got some way of doing this. Um, but so they... For some reason, they bring her back 
um they bring zoe back with them to the scene um like to show her like hey there's nothing here <laughs> like okay that's obviously what you do is you bring one of the victims back to the scene of the crime um but like so she sees this graffiti on the wall that says no way out and in her mind she sees that it's an anagram for wu tan yu who which is the the doctor whose name has been uh shown in various different places throughout the escape room and she like but i don't get why that's supposed to be like a big reveal like she's like oh it's a anagram for no way out because there's no way out (laughs) okay like great like well i guess just like like verifying that Wu Tan Yu is not a real person in the first place. Yeah, like, well, which I mean, like anyone could have probably expected that that they weren't gonna like give somebody's real name, right? <laughs> so of course, track yeah. Them down. Um, but yeah. Anyway, then there's like a flash forward. There, Zoe and Ben, who are the only people who are alive from this whole thing. Um, they're meeting up at some restaurant. Um. Ben's somehow gotten his life back together. He's got some new job. Uh, but Zoe is like super obsessed with finding the people who are running the escape room. And she's like, I tracked them down to this building in Manhattan. That's uh, it's like not on any map or something. Is that what they say? It's like, it's yeah, who knows? Uh, it's like coordinates that they, that she found somehow, which was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was it was hidden in like the logo for their organization, which is called the Minos uh, Corporation or something. Right. And um, so she finds the location of this building there. She's like, I've already got us plane tickets to go there. And then. (laughs) So this is where the movie gets really crazy. I thought Um, (laughs) it does something. (laughs) Yeah, you see like a shot of a plane. It just cuts straight to a shot of a plane like going down with like like on fire, just going down. And I thought that was going to be it there. She's like, oh, yeah, they shot down the plane. They're going to be on. But no, like the people on the plane are like trying to solve some sort of elaborate escape riddle. Uh, They're like running around grabbing stuff out of the overhead compartments. It's like like how is this happening like who are these people because it's not it's not zoe and ben it's like other people it's like totally Um, new new strangers yeah and then so you see the plane like crash from the inside and then it sort of glitches and reveals that it's actually a simulation and that like this simulation is taking place in the headquarters of the minos corporation and they're like basically testing a way for uh testing the new puzzle that they're going to give uh ben and zoe when they get on the plane um and they're like oh what's the survival ratios like only four percent like oh we have to do better than that have to give them at least a bit of a chance um (laughs) and so basically it's like you get to see their their headquarters and that they have like this super advanced technology to like simulate these disasters and um test run their games and that they you know they know what plane they're going to take obviously and they're they've got something in store for ben and zoe when they try to track them down 
Right. Um, so it sort of sets it up for a sequel there. Uh, I, I'm game for a sequel, definitely. I'd see another one of these, but that like the way they set it up is so ridiculous. Yeah, it's super silly. Um, I just, yeah, I have a lot of questions about how that that's all going to work. Also, the stakes <laughs> are so high on a flight like that. It's like, hmm, so just everybody's going to die now. Um, yeah, no, they they apparently have the power to bring down a jetliner just, you know, for to kill two people or to test two people. Right, right. I wonder if there if there is a sequel, if it's still going to feature Zoe and Ben or if it's going to be like a Final Destination sequel where it like they died in the meantime and we're just seeing like whatever comes next. Or if it's going to be like a hostile sequel where you see them die in like the first five minutes and then it's completely different people. Oh, yeah. But that was like just disappointing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But But yeah, um... it definitely was setting making room for a sequel. That was its whole whole point there. Yeah. And, And that that the ending seems to be what most people take issue with in this movie. You know, I I thought the ending probably wasn't as great as it could have been. Um, especially because it, it sort of seemed like it ended twice. You know, like there's that scene where Zoe is figuring out the whole Wu Tan Yu thing in the abandoned warehouse. She's like, "No, <laughs> no way out." And so, like that seems like kind of a a good point to end it on. But then they cut to this flash forward, and you think like, "Oh, maybe they'll end it there." Cut like right when they're making the plans to go do it. But then, no, you see the plane going down. You're like, oh, that's going to be it. It's just going to be like the plane goes down, they crash, they die. That's it. The corporation is so powerful, it took them down. But no, then they have the whole simulation scene after that. It's just like, God, when is this movie going to end? And it finally does. But it's kind of a mess at the end there. Yes. It was still fun in a way, but that ending is definitely (laughs) kind of rough. Yes, it is definitely rough. It was just a little tacked on. I mean, it was very clearly like they were like, we need to set up time for a a sequel somehow. Yeah, they wanted to set up the sequel. They might not have known how to end it exactly. Um, But yeah, I I didn't think it took away too much from the rest of the movie. I mean, overall, I liked the movie. I thought the rooms were really inventive. I thought like, you know, the whole premise wasn't super original. Like we said, it was kind of similar to, you know, Hostel, Saw, whatever. Other people have compared it to Cube, which is, you know, another, a fair comparison, I think. Um, but, like, uh, they, they made up for it by making the rooms really unique, by having good characters and good actors who could, you know, make the film actually interesting, even if it wasn't super original the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I thought it was a fine movie. I, I had no, like... I don't know. I wasn't like mad about watching it. So whatever. And I agree that the the cast really helps make up for it. And especially just like the rooms being kind of like over the top and a lot of fun, you know, yeah. the upside down pool hall, the like ridiculous high tech outdoor winter scene. Like these are fun rooms to watch. So yeah, that was fine. I was fine with it. But I mean, you know, it's, definitely like sort of like a genre b b horror kind of flick but that's okay yeah it was it was basically a fun b movie like i I went in there not expecting a whole lot just expecting maybe a decent horror and i had fun it 
it kept it gripped me at times it kept like it was really thrilling sometimes it was tense and also funny at times so it it was thoroughly entertaining i thought and definitely worth a couple hours at the movie theater yeah absolutely i mean definitely entertaining i don't see how you could watch this movie and be like oh i was bored like <laughs> yeah so I don't know. I had fun with it. I had a good time. I thought Escape Room it was a good start to January, I guess. You know, yeah. You don't expect a, a January horror movie to be even remotely worth watching. So, Yeah, and, I, and I'm totally used to seeing like terrible horror movies this time of year, so I was prepared for it to be pretty silly, especially when you know the premise is people getting killed in an escape room. But uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. 100%. We agree. All right. So before we move on to uh, Hostel, first of all, is there anything else you wanted to say about Escape Room? No, I think that if it comes up, we'll circle back to it during the Hostel conversation. Right. Okay. So before we move on to Hostel, uh, we got to make good on another promise. We've got another retweet shot to take here. We sure do. Um, So this one goes out to the Let's Get Shitty show that's appropriate uh, the description is a weekly discussion of comedy culture bodily fluids buttholes and philosophy um my every day quite great i mean we aspire to cover as many topics as that um but yeah sounds good thanks for the retweet will uh this shot goes out to you thanks All right, so for our second movie, we are talking about Hostel, which um, we found some parallels to with Escape Room, and um, which is a film that both of us like quite a bit. We've watched many times over the years, sort of a seminal film for both of us in terms of horror fandom. Um, So we're excited to discuss this one. Um, So what would you give this one on the blow scale, Matt? Uh, so it really depends. So for me, I can do this with like a nice light beer, nothing that has a lot of flavor. I'm thinking like a PBR is like the right choice here. Um, Mm -hmm. because you need to be able to drink a lot of it, but it also like, like you don't want your stomach to be turning, you know, because you've (laughs) had too much beer. Um, because this is like a violent, gory film. Um, yeah. So I would say that it's either that or like take some shots like before (laughs) and during like those are both like you might not want to like because i don't know about you but when i watch like violent horror i can't watch i can't always just like eat or drink just anything like i have to like be careful about what i'm consuming i can't maybe not like certain consistencies don't work certain flavors don't work like "Mm -mm." yeah so i was trying to eat dinner while i was watching this i'm like this is not working i'm being put off my food here (laughs) yeah i have like a thing like i can't eat like like especially like pasta, like there's something about like oh, really? the slippery noodles and then like red sauce. I'm just like, Mm-mm, please, I can't be anywhere <laughs> near this right now. Anytime I'm watching something like this, um, you, you can't really eat like sausages or um, <laughs> because they're too no. similar to intestines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but... so you just have to be careful about the flavor profile of what you're choosing here. I think it's like a delicate balance, is all I'm saying. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So 
I am picking beer because I just like beer and I can easily sip like a nice light beer with anything. Um, and I do kind of want to ride through this movie with like a slight buzz maybe, but <laughs> yeah. So I, for this one, I picked liquor cause I thought you're going to need a stiff drink to get through this one. It's so intense at times and you really just need a, you need something to get you through it. Uh, specifically, I picked vodka um, for the Eastern European influence. All right, and, going for uh, the easy. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're feeling a little frisky, uh, you might want to go with a Red Bull vodka, which is uh, specifically referenced in this movie. Uh, uh, because Red Bull <laughs> vodkas are important. Yeah, yeah, and it, <laughs> it'll provide just the right amount of stimulation and depressant to sort of just smooth everything out and get you through this um that's what most guys say about me after one date (laughs) oh boy (laughs) it's really you should put that one on your profile (laughs) um but uh, um i think most people probably know the basic plot of hostel um it's just i mean it's really super simple americans go backpacking get abducted get murdered yeah yeah pretty straightforward they end up in this um this sort of they end up going to a hostel in eastern europe it turns out to be a recruiting place for victims for this uh the elite hunting club yeah the elite hunting club which is a group of very rich and powerful people who their only entertainment they can get at this point is just killing people for fun. It's probably so they, Dick Cheney. Yeah, yeah, Dick Cheney. Uh, he was testing it out there at that yeah. time with his lawyer. So yeah, um, he was just like mm, getting ready for uh, some war. He's like, wait, you're not supposed to do this to the normal people. Oh, I got it. That's what that uh, gunshot was all about. The one yeah. to his hunting partner. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, so the Elite Hunting Club is direct parallel to the Minos Escape Rooms group, obviously. Yeah, that was our big uh, parallel between those two films. It's They're both like an elite society. They're both clearly very powerful and wealthy. And they're both just so bored with life that the only joy they can get is by hunting the most dangerous game of all, man. Oh, man. Uh, have yeah. you ever read The Most Dangerous Game? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay, good. So okay. There's definitely so. a parallel there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, right. Probably drawn. Yeah. Um, um, so I think that um, one takeaway from both of these movies is just eat the rich. But also, <laughs> like, yes. uh, I think it's interesting that Hostel takes a far more critical approach to its victims. Right. Just as much as it does, it's like killers. I mean, maybe not just as much. I think that's saying a lot. Um, but it definitely like even like okay. So there's a lot of interesting things about that Hostel does um, in subverting just like some slasher tropes. Uh, for one thing, by and large, this is men doing violence to other men. That's not a common thing that you see in horror. It's right. usually women are victims, men are the villains. Like that's the general i mean you see men die in horror too but like the long like drawn out like chase sequences it's always a woman like things like that um yeah so i think it's interesting that hostile intentionally chose men and intentionally chose men who run around 
Eastern Europe backpacking, knowing nothing about Eastern Europe. Yeah. Young, privileged, uh, like college students in America. Right. And they're running around and they're dropping like, I mean, it's very 2005, but also I think even then the movie was critical. They're like dropping like certain F-bombs that aren't fuck. Um, Yeah. They're dropping certain R-bombs, which like... Like, you never hear it's 2019 now. So, like, even watching that was, like, very jarring for me. And I think the movie is intentionally judging them. Like, I think it's, like, this is not how anybody should behave or talk. Yeah, Um, these aren't supposed to be, like, necessarily hero types. You know, they're just sort of your average college douchebags, basically. Right. But it Um, is interesting because... So... Okay, so Jay Hernandez plays, I guess, the main guy. Um, I think the movie doesn't set him up to have you think he's going to be the main guy, which I think is another interesting like rug trick that it pulls. Um, It makes you think um, the other, the blonde guy is going to be the main Josh. Josh. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, Josh comes across as like bookish. He's like sensitive. He is coded as gay a few different times. Um, Yeah. And then, which I thought was interesting and I had totally forgotten. Uh, yeah, until I rewatched uh, it last week. I didn't week, realize but... that either. We we definitely should touch on that uh, in yeah. detail at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I agree that it definitely seemed like he was going to be the protagonist early on, and that Paxton was sort of like the goofy best friend who was like sort of encouraging him to get into mischief. Um, right, and usually in those setups in horror, the the mischief encourager dies. And the other one becomes the final girl. So Josh was very heavily coded as being a final girl type, but just as a man, um, mm-hmm. which we, you know, we've seen before once and with a gay lead, actually, with um, <laughs> Freddy's Revenge, uh, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street 2. Um, but uh, although calling that lead gay, I mean, the actor was gay, but the character was not supposed to be gay, although I maintain that it's a bisexual film. But anyway, um, <laughs> so like, I really thought that, like, I can see watching this movie, you might think that, yeah, they're the they're the lead if you've never seen it before. Um, but he is not. Um, he has one of the most like brutal deaths. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I mean, it's like it's not even his death that's that brutal, it's the lead up to his death. Like by the time he dies, I am sort of like, I think I'd be like wishing for it. I'd be like, just take me out. Like, like <laughs> I can't walk. You've clipped my Achilles tendons, like Yeah. Oh, that scene is just like one of the most brutal things I've ever seen. Uh, when he like uses the the guy uses the scalpel uh, to slice his Achilles tendons, and then basically said, "Oh yeah, you can run away now." Uh, and he tries to run and just falls down, splitting his ankles open. God, watching the ankle split is like one of the most like disturbing and distressing sequences in horror. Um. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like so painful to watch. And it's like, there's like a visceral reaction to it. Even if you've never had an injury to your Achilles tendon. Um. Yeah. Well, cause everyone just sort of knows that those are very sensitive, very easily injured and hurt like hell. If you do anything to them. God. Oh, even thinking about it. I'm like getting like freaked out. Oh. Um, It's a really, really brutal scene. Um, it's yeah, probably yeah. the scene that like destroys me the most in this movie. I know there's like the eyeball scene later, 
but um and yeah, the eyeball scene is rough too. um and it's like the eyeball scene has some i mean props to the practical effects on the eyeball sequence yeah. um that's, that's really that's the one where they really went all in on the effects like they're like this is gonna be the big shot basically which is crazy and, because yeah. i feel like the achilles tendon scene is the one that like really like does this film oh like, yeah like it's just like I think everybody thought at the time that eyeballs were the, the big draw for horror, but it turns out Achilles tendons. Um, I don't think anybody even really attempts Achilles tendons horror after this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're sort of just like, they were like, Hostel did it, well, and it still wrecks us, so we're not going to redo it. They um, did exactly what, like, the most horrifying thing someone could think of. I, I don't see how you can improve on that. Yeah. Um. So that's really sad. Um, because I also kind of actually liked Josh. I felt like he was like a relatable character. Wonder yeah. why. Um, but <laughs> he's supposed to be, you know, like the the kind of average guy who's not as into doing the crazy stuff as his friend Paxton. He's a he was like a gay writer. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, he's me. Um, well, so let's let's get into that. Do you think he was gay? Because yes, first of all. I never like even picked up on that the first time I saw this. And granted, like the first time I saw this was like 10 years ago. So yeah, I was going to say I was like 15 the first time I, I saw this. I was not um, as aware of like subtext, but there is definitely a little subtext in here that makes you wonder. Uh, so what do you you think he is actually gay? I th Well, I don't. Gay is a strong word. Um, I believe that, you know, bisexuality is a choice or right. not a choice, but an option that is here um, because I think he does have sex with a woman shortly yeah, thereafter. He definitely does i mean <laughs> they show it pretty uh pretty clearly well, yeah i mean i've also done that so i don't know if that's really like the best you know like a lot of gay men have had sex with yeah i mean obviously like it's not yeah. ex uh it's it doesn't determine one way or another right so like i i don't i don't think that necessarily needs to say one way or the other but i do think that like it's heavily implied that he's not a straight man like yeah he definitely wants to be with men i think but is afraid to yeah. um, because he has that like really like almost weirdly tender scene with the guy who turns out to be a m mass murderer yeah um so they they run into this guy on the train first on their way to slovakia um and he's like he's kind of a weird dude he's eating a salad with his hands okay that's honestly leave the train car go somewhere yeah. else like yeah, if right somebody's there. eating salad with their hands like what dressing does it have? Is that balsamic? That's not coming off. Like <laughs> it's oil. All, it's everywhere now. There's just it's all over everything. Yeah, but um, so like he's already kind of weird, and they're having this discussion about um, is it in humanity's nature to consume meat to be like in touch with their status as a predator or whatever, which is definitely foreshadowing for later. But uh, and Paxton's like, well, I'm a vegetarian, so it's not in my nature. And oh my then, god, that is Paxton who says that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Paxton's so a vegetarian. Weird. It's a very weird note there. But then, um, then the uh, the German guy is, um, he's like to Josh, he's like, Well, what, what's your nature? And he sort of puts his hand on his leg, and Josh is like, Get the hell off me! Like, he, he reacts like really strongly, really strongly, and he like, um, yells at him. Which is the first, like, indication that, like, something is weird because, like, nobody reacts that strongly if they're not hiding something. Um, yeah. 
And then they meet up again in a bar by accident. They happen to run into one another. Right. So. Yeah. It, like uh, a little later in the movie, they run into each other at this bar. They're all out generally having a good time with these, um, these local Slovakian women they've run into at the hostel. And um, th- this guy um, shows up again. And they, ha- yeah, they do have sort of a weird scene there that I did not at all remember. Uh, yeah, me neither. It's like I forgot, like I blacked out like a whole part portion of this film. Um, I think I was just like so traumatized by the Achilles tendon. That's all I thought about. <laughs> yeah. But like they have like a scene where the the like strange like businessman is basically just like, oh, you know, like if I at your age, I would have done exactly what you did. But I telling you now how you live your life is up to you. But you shouldn't be afraid to be who you are. Basically it's like this really bizarre, like earnest scene in the middle of this like torture porn slasher. Um, And and he also says like, um, you know, I decided um, to have a family and like that ended up being the best thing for me because uh, like, I'm so glad to have my daughter and stuff like that. But if I were your age, like I might choose differently and you have to be true to yourself basically. And Josh like does this thing also where he apologizes for his early behaviors. Like, I'm sorry about that. And he touches him on the leg. I was going to say, that's where it clued me in that like Josh is not meant to be straight. If Josh hadn't put his hand on his leg, that would be a whole, like that would be like, Josh is just this, this gay man is reading Josh is gay and he's wrong, but he's just like, Josh touching him back like that is like, he's indicating like, this is something I want. I just don't know how to like express that. Um, yeah. So Which I, like pains me, um, but yeah, that was it was very surprising to me to find that. And unfortunately, I don't feel like they really explore that a lot more. But no, I, I think that um, the the movie does it. So it's like sort of like a double edged sword when the movie like has set Josh up as like the final final girl type character and then kills him off like abruptly. And so, like, it's, like, on the one hand, it's smart because it subverts your expectations because you really do come to expect he's the lead. But then, at the same time, it's, like, you really set him up as, like, the most interesting character. So, maybe you should just see it through, like, because he has the most interesting background because the rest of them are not that interesting. Paxton is not intriguing. Um. And Ollie is like the worst man of all time. I don't even know why they're friends with him. Ollie is, is he's so like strange a, and funny. He's like a 45-year-old married man who's sleeping with random like women. I don't know what's going on, but Ollie is not together. He's, this random Icelandic dude with like the most catchphrases of anyone in any movie ever. He's like, of course my horse, and I'm the king of swing. <laughs> and stuff like he that. does keep saying he's the king of swing, um, which I take offense to. I'm the king of swing. but Of course. You have to have a swing off. Mm. Me and Ollie? I'm (laughs) sorry. Ebjor Guan Johnson. Um, But yeah, we can do that. That's fine. I can have a swing (laughs) off. I'm not afraid. Uh, He's 50 now. I'll win. Um, Even Josh is like 41 now. That's upsetting. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Really, the the only actor who did it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. The only actor who did anything from this is um, Jay Hernandez, right? Yeah, well, Jay Hernandez was in Suicide Squad, which I did not realize. Until okay, I more importantly, Jay Hernandez was in Bad Moms. <laughs> of 
course. That's the most important of all. Okay, Bad Moms was hilarious. I just want to be clear. Bad Moms was so funny. I'm not, Did you I'm see not Bad Moms? It. No, I've yeah, not don't, seen Bad Moms. Okay, don't badmouth it. I saw not, it at my own it. movie theater on my friend Austin's birthday. I took him and I got us like a bottle of Prosecco apiece. <laughs> and we saw this movie and it was like the funniest thing I have ever experienced. I oh. know that... I was in a state of mind where everything would be the funniest thing I've ever experienced, but also like, it's really funny. Catherine Hahn is a legitimate gem. She's like, she's an American national treasure. So <laughs> of course. All right. Yeah. But so we, we get a little sense of who Josh is through like what he does and what he doesn't do. He doesn't want to, um, sleep with the prostitutes in Amsterdam like uh like Ollie and Paxton keep trying to encourage him, him to and you know he says it's cuz he's um he's not over his ex-girlfriend um does she even but, exist yeah you have to wonder like is that what it's really about and he right. does sleep with the Slovakian girl uh and he seems to enjoy that but i mean who knows he he could be bisexual. I mean, he's definitely... Not, I mean, all I know is he's not straight. That's really, yeah. like, the big thing here. He's he's at least exploring other territories. Right. That seems very clear to me. But then he has his Achilles tendon, sl like, slit, and his throat slashed. So, whatever. <laughs> um, he never gets to figure out what he is, I don't think. Mm. Did you notice Eli Roth's cameo in this movie? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, he's like in that bar. Yeah, they're in like a uh, Amsterdam coffee shop uh, early on. Uh, everybody's smoking weed, obviously, as you do in the coffee shops in Amsterdam. It's Amsterdam. And... What's well, Amsterdam? I said it's Amsterdam. Oh, it's Amsterdam. Yeah. Yes. What's Amsterdam? Can you What's tell me? What's Amsterdam, precious? Um, <laughs> so he. They're they're in there smoking a bunch of wheat, and there's like this really quick cutaway to another table where there's this guy smoking out of a bong who ends up like coughing back into it and blowing bong water all over the place. And one of the other guys at the table who's laughing at him is Eli Roth. Yep, that's <laughs> true. So, it was so funny to see him like just in like that quick second. And that was the cameo that he picked for himself just to be laughing at somebody <laughs> coughing into a bong. Yeah. Weird. Like director cameos are like yeah. an interesting thing to me. Did you um, catch the other weird director cameo in this movie, which was not oh. Eli Roth, but another director? No, who, what? So I didn't even realize this the first time I had to go back through the credits to figure it out. But uh, the Japanese guy that Paxton talks to before he first goes into like the uh, the kill headquarters where he, <laughs> he asks him, like, what's it like in there? And that guy, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. is Takashi Miike. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I that is like one hell of a cameo. Takashi Miike, who's done stuff like he's directed Ichi the Killer, uh, Visitor Q, yeah. stuff like that. Um, Audition, if you want to talk about real torture movies, 
Audition is uh, a lot. Audition is an intense yeah. film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like Eli Roth is clearly putting in like somebody he really admires in this movie. So I thought that was like a really cool cameo. That, I that is really cool. On it first. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that. Um, I just have seen a lot of Eli Roth because, you know, I've seen Inglorious Bastards like seven times. But right. um, yeah. So, wow. Hmm. Interesting kind of fun it's kind of like it makes it like super meta when like a director of like who has done like notorious torture films like audition is showing up in yeah. in a movie where he's playing a bit part but it's a character who's like advocating torture and brutality like yeah he's like he's gone from like directing torture to just being a torturer himself within the movie obviously but right or right so. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, really funny. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I obviously did not pick up on, on that the first time and didn't even notice it this time until I looked at the credits. I was like, wait, who is in this movie? Right. God. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, one thing that really struck me about this, uh, and this might just be how old I am, but uh, like this looked so dated at some times. <laughs> Oh like, my gosh, I was the so whole thing surprised. very dated. Especially the whole section in Amsterdam where they're like going to the clubs. It like I thought it was like out of the 90s or something, just like the clothes everybody was wearing and the music they were listening to. I was amazed. Like obviously the cell phones were very dated too, but Oh like, yeah, they use they stuff. straight up use like razor phones. The old um, flip phones. Uh, and they were like they were like listening to techno in the Amsterdam clubs, where it was like you know before the dawn of EDM. There's like the little kind of techno. Oh God, techno kill me music. now! Yeah, um, uh, yeah. They so, get into that fight in the club because like some guy looks at another guy because they're dancing with a girl or something, and somebody's like, rah, 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 rah. He, spills rah, rah, rah. he spills yeah. a drink on like the Swedish guy's girlfriend or something. It's like ridiculous. Uh, and they get in this absurd fight. Yeah. They come out. They're like, it's a sausage fest in there. <laughs> yeah. Paxton keeps yelling about how like mad he is that it's just a bunch of guys and about how gay it is, which really is yeah. probably why Josh isn't coming out. So exactly. yeah, no, Paxton is quite homophobic. Paxton um, is definitely homophobic, but Paxton is our sole survivor here. Paxton yeah. would be put through escape room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that would that that could be a follow up if he well if Hostile Two N happened. Ignore the sequel. Who cares about the sequel? <laughs> um, the sequel is like a whole other thing. It's just like more violent and grosser. And yeah, like harder to watch. It's and like also, Paxton the... dies immediately. Yeah, you thought the first one had a lot of torture. Wait till you see this one with like extended ten minute torture scenes. Like that was the thing about this one is that I felt like it was not as extreme in the torture as I remembered it to be, which like is an absurd thing to say because there's some really gruesome scenes in this. But still, like I just I remembered it being so much more gory and it really wasn't. I think the big least... thing is that this came out in 2005. And I think this was like at the front of the wave of like really violent horror that we got in like the late 2000s. And like yeah. early 2010s. And so, um, cause like Saw was 2004. Yeah. So and this then was this like was 05. Yeah. 
And so, first of all, this was obviously kind of influenced by Saul, but also, like, just by, like, everything. I feel like um, the resurgence of torture porn just has a lot to do with just, like, American politics. But, like, um, like, it's also very clear that, like, right around then, we got a ton of just, like, super violent, super gory horror that has once again, like, sort of faded out. Like, it's no longer, like, in yeah. vogue, you know? Yeah, even, like, the latest Jigsaw movie was not as gory as, like, the, the like, prime time. I mean, nobody's movies. shoving a buzzsaw halfway up their arm in the yeah. latest Jigsaw movie. What's even the worst you see? Like, the most. Oh, well, the worst you see is that ridiculous final trap where that guy gets his head, trap. like. <laughs> <laughs> which is the goriest but it's so silly and cartoony that you can't even take it seriously yeah like, i remember okay, watching it and i was like exist. hold on like <laughs> that's not what? a thing that's real okay um it's like if you used magic to make somebody's head explode it's like okay well that's unrealistic so i can't really identify with that as a horrific thing right that was very funny to me um but whatever yeah. Uh, oh, another going back to the cell phones because I just I can't get over this. Um, so they're you know they're texting each other on these little flip phones from the mid two thousands, but they're also sending each other pictures like all the freaking time. Which, if I remember right from back then, was not an easy thing to do. No, it was hard. Sending those, photos was terrible. Those took forever to download. They would use up like. They would cost you a ton of money because they weren't included in your texting plan. I mean, back then, you know, text cost each one that you sent cost money, especially yeah. picture messages. And they were sending them like it was freaking Snapchat. Like they like they, there was the one that supposedly Ollie sent to them telling them that he went home, which was actually, you know, the killers sent uh, to fake them out. But it was like a picture of his face with the text, I went home underneath it. I'm like, I don't think you could even do that back then. Like have a photo no. with text on top of it. So I was like, what What did they, <laughs> what were they thinking when they did this? Did they think of Snapchat ahead of time before it even existed or what? Have you ever seen that music video where it's like Kelly Rowland opening a text on her like flip phone and it's an Excel spreadsheet on her flip phone? <laughs> With a text and one of the cells, because <laughs> that's what I think about when I see this movie, like <laughs> pretending that you could send photos with text attached. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So so those of us who are who had phones in the mid 2000s will probably recognize that it's not the most realistic that part that just jumped out at me. Did you have so a phone funny. in the mid 2000s? I did. Yeah. I mean, like you're a few years older than me. So that school. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. I had one too. I got my first phone when I was in fifth grade, but yeah, no, I had like a little singular wireless phone, which doesn't even exist now. Oh yeah. My yeah. phone, my first phone does not exist. My first phone was like this big black chunky flip phone. Oh man. Yeah. That's super. Like, I mean, my mom had one of those in the nineties. That's how far back those go. Well, my first phone was in like 2002. So yeah. Oh, you got, you got one earlier than I did then. I think. Well, I I got a cell phone as soon as I started, like, taking trips without my parents. Like, if I would go somewhere with just a friend and his parents. So, mm -hmm. um, so that was my first phone. It was, like, a Nokia, I think. Um, right. Yeah, those were 
Those were the good ones back then. And then we had Altel. You remember Altel? Altel <laughs> Wireless. Yeah. I think I got a phone in like 2003, 2004, maybe. A little singular but, thing. Then I got a Razer. All the this Sony Ericsson at one point. Yeah, oh, the Razors. Remember when those were the coolest? Well, that's they use a Razor in this movie. Somebody has a Razor. Yeah. I think it was Paxton. Um, yeah, well, that would be him because he was the cool guy. He's the cool guy. He sucks. Paxton sucks. Why does Paxton have to be the one that survives? So also Paxton, like, okay, so there's this whole, like, subplot um, where Paxton's like, one time I was out boating and my sister, like, fell in the water and drowned and I didn't save her. No, 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 no. That's a... No, he sees... He he has this story about he sees like a little girl. Somebody, yeah, it's beach. not his it's sister. It's not his sister. But he yeah, he sees a little girl drowning at the beach, and instead of going to save her, he goes to tell the lifeguard, and the lifeguard like isn't paying attention. And then but like by the time he tries to tell the lifeguard, it's too late. Like she's already drowned. Also, like the idea that the lifeguard isn't paying attention is crazy to me. But like um, he said she was too busy talking to her boyfriend, which is like great. Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, what kind of lifeguard? Like, what? Like, whatever. Um, oh, he, he's just joking about that drowning girl out there. Um, so he's like, if I had just gone and done it. And Josh is like, you did the right thing because then you both would have drowned if you tried to save her. And then he's like, mm, whatever. So as he's leaving, like, death party club thing, he's like, destroyed, you know, because he's seen Josh dead. He's seen a lot of blood and he's like, mm -hmm. I should leave. And so then he like, hears a woman screaming. So he's like, I have to go back for her. And it's supposed to be like a callback to that time. He like went and saved, didn't save that girl. But mm -hmm. really what happens is he saves this woman who has had her eye burned out of her face in the most horrible scene in the movie, besides possibly the Achilles one. She gets her. Yeah, it really just depends on what horror gets you best. Board. Yeah, it's um, like, do, you, do your eyes bother you more or your ankles? Either one is in this movie. Yeah, You're I was gonna, gonna say ankles down. get me most, but um, I can see yeah. why eyes would get people. Um, the eyes were like it was like just not realistic enough that I could sort of distance myself from it. It was still pretty good, but the ankle one was just so visceral and so realistically done that it just every time it makes me wince so hard yeah it's really disturbing um my favorite thing about the eye thing is that like her eyeball like fully hangs out just like dangling on yeah. out there and like he like cuts it out and it's like horrifying and so he like takes her away from this and they're just like <laughs> casually wandering through the eastern european city like i'm like her eyeball was cut off of her face yeah they're Take like her to a hospital they're like driving around trying to get to the train station and like are people not noticing that like half of her face is horrifically yes. burned they're at this train station and she's just walking around and like her face is burned off is somebody gonna say something so that's ridiculous but also i love that he goes back to save her and then she looks in the mirror and she's like i can't live like this and jumps in front of a mm. train and like it's sort of like it's that know, scene from like, seven it's like that scene from seven like that. <laughs> where she's like she can't bear to be that hideous for the rest of her life so she just kills herself 
Well, I think it's kind of like, um, like this idea that like he was like, I have to go back and save her because I'm the man and that's what I do. Because I feel like a lot of this movie is like critical of just like masculinity in general. Right. I feel like that's where the gay thing comes in. It's where it's like he's afraid to be who he is because he's like a guy and guys are supposed to like women and do X, Y, Z. And so um, like I feel like Paxton's like, I have to go save her now. And so he goes back and then in the end, at the end of the day, he couldn't save her because she didn't want to be saved because she's her own person. Like... <laughs> Right. So it's like, yeah. um, I feel like that was like the thrust there, which I kind of like, even though it's kind of like gross and disturbing the way it's done. But um, uh, because Paxton's just like, oh, I, I, but I brought you here. Um, <laughs> no, get over it, Paxton. Um, you're an idiot. You're gonna go slit a man's throat in a bathtub. Um, or a bathroom. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that so, scene was pretty badass too. So. That was, I mean, good for Paxton. That guy, that like crazy gay man who tried to seduce Josh but then murdered him, deserved to die. But um, yeah. yeah, they end up on that same train at the end there, uh, and uh, he, you know, traps him in the bathroom and just cuts his fingers off first, and then drowns him in the toilet, and then slit slits his throat. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. A, it's a really, really violent moment. But yeah, but like, that's what he deserved, so yeah. it's fine. Because and that guy he literally was... clipped Josh's Achilles tendons. Yeah, and you know, killed him and like cut him up and sewed him back together and shit. Like that guy was weird. His whole thing was like he wanted to be a surgeon, but he couldn't pass the boards because his hands were too shaky. Which right then, like that scene. Even like that part right there gives me jitters. Just like the idea that someone would be operating on you with jittery hands. Yeah, think about and the like jagged cuts they'd make. Yeah, like just even that scene where he just shakes his hands. It's like, oh God, this guy is going to be cutting you. And he's going to be just like wiggling all over the place. Um, but like what made what I thought in that scene was like, so he said the boards wouldn't pass him because his hands were shaky. So he couldn't be a surgeon, but I was, so then he had to go into business, but then like supposedly at that point he would have had his medical degree. Why didn't he just go be like any other kind of doctor rather than being like, Oh, I have to do business and business is boring. So I'm going to go kill people instead for fun. Yeah, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, okay, clearly you 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 could have you could have done anything else. So you're, no one forced you into this. You're you're making your own choices. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to go slaughter humans, but okay. Yeah, uh, if that's what you want to do, you can go ahead get uh, your throat slit in a train station. That's what you deserve. Yeah. I mean, it is what he deserved. Um, and Paxton makes it out though. Paxton leaves. Yeah, um, Paxton makes it out uh, along the way as he's escaping from that building. He sort of gets the the little child gang that shows up in multiple places in the movie. Uh, oh, yeah, that was an interesting them. part of the film. I, I'd forgotten about the child gang entirely, but I especially forgot about the part near the end where they let Paxton by because he gives them a whole bag of candy. And then they brutally murder the guys from the elite hunting club who are following them. Yeah. They like bash their heads in. Yeah. That scene is really violent and it's like all children doing it. 
Yeah, you see like skulls get like compressed. Like yeah. it's just like eh, dashed sorry. in. And there's also this scene earlier on where Paxton tries to strangle a child from the game. Yeah, like, to be right. fair, the child was being annoying, but um yeah. that was that was not a good child. But yeah. there is child strangle strangulation in this movie. There is uh there's pretty much anything you could think of that's, that's not uh, true. No. What, I've what seen a Serbian movie? film. There's oh, 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 there's none of that. Okay, yeah, let's not even go there. There's not that. But, you know, there's there's sex, there's nudity, there's torture, there's murder, there's drug usage. Um, there's is well, all of that. You're right. There's the drug usage in particular, I thought was kind of funny because there's that scene. Um, not not the first scene when they're at the club in um in Amsterdam, but when they're at the club in Slovakia and they're all like taking pills. Yeah. Uh, they're like handing out, like I'm assuming it's ecstasy. It looks like ecstasy. Um, but then nothing happens. Like they don't ever act like they're on drugs in that scene. I thought that was kind of strange. Well, you know, placebos. They don't even like, they don't even act drunk in that scene, let alone like rolling, you know? Well, sometimes the drugs don't work. Yeah. What can you Some, say? Sometimes they do, and you wake up in a torture room. Mm, Josh knows all about that. Oh, God. Yeah. And then that scene where, you know, Paxton gets drugged too, but he accidentally ends up in like a storage room in the club so they don't get him. I think that's the funniest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> Like, he doesn't get to be tortured in the first round because he just, like, happens to wander into a storage closet and can't get out because he's too high. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, I I was empathizing with him in that scene. So I was like, God damn, can you imagine, like, if you're this messed up and, like, trapped in a storage closet? You should be like, Uh, yeah, I can imagine literally that. Do we do we need to have a sidebar? I'm not gonna say that's happened to me, but I'm just gonna say that it hasn't not happened to me. Um, <laughs> oh, um, let me just say that being trapped in a storage closet while like blasted out of your mind, not as fun as it looks. Oh my! Well, it doesn't because look very suddenly fun at all. you're a little bit afraid of eating all the food that's in there. Um, <laughs> that would not be my worst fear. TBH. Um, okay, yeah. Worst fear is like being kidnapped by like an Eastern European murder gang. But like, oh, it's funny you should mention that actually. Um, <laughs> um, I was speaking of the the scene where they're actually in the the torture hotel or whatever the headquarters that they bring them to. So like um, the grimy headquarters or like the like hostel that's meant to set them up for being abducted. The the grimy headquarters, the real okay. kill rooms. Um so first of all, I I had forgotten how grimy this all was. Like how much of a part of the aesthetic that is that it's mid two thousands horror. Well, everything is so dirty and everything. I think that yeah. adds to the horror so much is like you're getting cut up and uh like brutalized in this environment where there's clearly no sanitation whatsoever. Um, obviously you're probably not going to make it out of here, but even if you do, you're probably going to get some sort of horrible infection. 
Yeah, um, I think that's true. I think it's worth like it's just like worth exploring why that was such an aesthetic in like the mid two thousands specifically. Right. Like Saw, Texas Chainsaw Remake, and this all did that. It was like a common thing in like gory horror. Yeah, like, and it's definitely common. And um, but like one part I really liked about that was uh, when they first, when Paxton first finds out exactly what's going on. He like he's walking by and he sees Josh getting cut up on the table, and um. He, he's like he tries to run he gets grabbed by these guys and they're dragging him down the hallway and he basically goes past all these different rooms where people are being tortured and it's just like sort of it's sort of like a mini haunted house tour as he's getting dragged by he like sees all sorts of different kinds of torture in each room and they're all like really well timed i just thought that scene was kind of cool and they brought like the haunted house vibe into a film which i thought was neat I do actually agree with that. I think it was a really good scene. And it's like really horrifying. So it works. There was also a great line in that scene too, where um, one of the Slovakian girls who had led him there, um, he, he you, figures, I think I, <laughs> yeah, he figures out that she has been, you know, she has been orchestrating this somewhat that she, um, led him there to be tortured or whatever he's like you bitch and she's like well i got a lot of money for you so really you're my bitch <laughs> and i was like i love that line that was great <laughs> she, and she says it was like this like heavy eastern european accent she's like so you're my bitch <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> it's so good it's really great what a great scene um but then she gets hit by a car. So. Yeah. Oh, that scene where like they find both both the girls and um the guy, the guy Alex. who's like trying to just lead them to get some like get dicked. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> the guy who originally told them to go to Slovakia just happens yeah. to be there at the same time. He's like, hanging out with these girls who seduce them, and it's just like, oh my god, they're all in on it. And he just goes and hits all of them with the car. <laughs> yeah. I like how, like, instead of, like, the movie being, like, oh, they got hit by a car, we're moving on, the movie had to show, like, some of them, like, flying off to the side and hitting their heads on, like, the corners of stairways. I was like, thank yeah. you. No, and then one of them survives only to get hit by the car from the Elite Hunting Society driving after them. And yep. get she gets dragged under the car. <laughs> she goes by. It's like, thank you. <laughs> The movie had no mercy for those characters. It was like, fuck you. I mean, to be fair, I didn't have much mercy either. No, certainly not. Oh, this is even before um, our eyeball friend dies. This is like... <laughs> yeah, no, that that's on the way to the train station where she leaps on the tracks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of fun deaths in this one. I mean, yeah, just like everybody dies, like everybody except Paxton. But yeah, if we want to get down into like the message of this, or at least like how the film has criticism for um, like its main characters as well as its villains, really. Um, I thought an important line early on um, 
which was in uh, when they were in Amsterdam and uh, Paxton and Oli were trying to convince um, Josh to go have sex with the prostitutes. Uh, And he says, uh, paying to go into a room to do whatever you want to someone isn't exactly a turn on. That was a really neat bit of foreshadowing later on where uh, basically these rich people are paying to do exactly that, whatever they want. And in this case, they want to torture them and murder them. And, um, and it's especially the, the parallel there is especially shown later on when uh, Paxton runs into this other American while he's trying to escape the, uh, the torture building. Um, And the guy is saying things like, oh, I've been like all over the world. I've had all kinds of different women. Um, and they all, you know, it all starts to be the same after a while, but like this, this is something different. This is something more extreme. And so like, I think there's sort of a parallel being drawn there. Like this is the most extreme form of exploitation you can take of another person. Um, and they're sort of drawing a parallel between like the use of prostitution early on and, um, and this, like the most extreme advantage you can take of another person. I mean, I think you're definitely right. I think that is what's happening there. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's like a, yeah. I think the movie's a lot smarter than it's given credit for in general. Yeah. Um, It's it's very critical of like its main characters and the sort of lackadaisical way that they go through these countries, not really knowing anything, not really wanting to absorb the culture, just wanting to try to basically get drunk and sleep with women. Yeah. Just try to find like the easiest women they can. And like, that's part of why they go to Slovakia and there's um, that part that Alex says, um, trying to lure them in there he says like all the all the men are dead from the war so the women are really desperate and like it just sort of underlines how exploitative their way of um traveling the world is kind of they're they're traveling to these places that have been ravaged by war uh just to have a laugh have some fun sleep with women not really giving any not really caring at all where they're actually going as long as they can get their rocks off basically so disturbing especially like ollie who's married you know <laughs> yeah ollie ollie's a very troubling character ollie's the worst well is he is he actually married or is he divorced because he yeah, said it's honestly not clear yeah. He says something like he was married for six years, so it's not clear whether he's still married. Yeah, he also just says he has a kid. He doesn't say if it's like a current yeah. situation. So I don't know. He's probably not married because if he were married, I doubt his wife would be like, yes, go on this trip with strangers. <laughs> well, who knows what Icelandic people are like. They might be okay with that. Yeah. You're right. You could be right. Don't want to alienate any of our Icelandic audience but do okay. Yeah. I don't either. I support our Icelandic audience just to be clear. Of course. Just a couple little, very small details that I noticed in this, uh, hostel. Yeah. The hostel. There was, uh, there was the, the 
very stereotypical the guard is watching porn scene when um when uh Paxton killed the person who was trying to torture him um and they show the outside where the guard who was supposed to be looking out for him was watching porn of course um I mean what else like are you going to do? do as a guard you like know? you do when you're guarding a murder palace you might want to take a few minutes to watch some porn in front of everybody. You know? I mean, to be fair, ever all the victims are being actively tortured. You probably assume they won't be running anywhere. <laughs> right. And you know, there if you're the guy who's there watching porn, you're probably the least strange person in the place. Like everybody right. else. If, if is your type of porn murdering is murdering like, people for fun. Yeah. If your type of porn is just like sex, like you're like doing all right. So <laughs> Yeah. So um I think that that about wraps up Hostel. Um our basic parallel between these movies was obviously the the big um organization that's all powerful that um has power over other people basically that can sort of chew people up and spit them out. And uh, it does yeah. not spit them out. It just swallows them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It can. Well, yeah, it spit Paxton out, but it got him in the end. Um, it did get him in the end. And it might get uh, Zoe and Ben in the end from yeah, Escape Room. So. Yeah. yeah but I really hope is... the next Escape Room has an R rating, though. That's my like one stipulation here. That would be nice to see a, a grittier version of that. Um, that it doesn't have to be super violent. It just like you could like feel how they were trying to keep that PG-13. Yeah. So. They definitely, you know, held back in some places. Yeah. They didn't have to. Um, but yeah, I, no, I think you were right when you said there is sort of an eat the rich message to both of these movies um, in the, you know, the exploitative nature of some of the upper class. Um, just these people who are so rich and so powerful um, that they get bored and have to exploit poorer people or people lower down the social rungs. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one of the premises of the film, right? Like, like even when Hostel is being critical of its victims, it's still at the end of the day, it's saying like, but look at these guys who like are rich out of their minds and bored out of their minds. So yeah. they're like murdering other people. That's way worse. Like... At the end of the day, like guys like Paxton, the most they're doing is like sleeping around all the time. Like, yeah. I mean, in theory, they're not harming people that much. Certainly not as much as the people who are, you know, slicing people up and killing them. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about Hostel? No, just that I really like it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good film. It's great. I mean, like I I haven't seen this in a long time. I think you I hadn't either. Yeah. Have you rewatched this anytime recently? I I think I haven't seen it since like maybe 2008, 2009, something like that. Uh yeah, I hadn't seen it since like I watched it in college at one point. I know that. But it was like early college cuz I was in my dorm. So I was it was like 09010. Yeah. 010. There's no 010. 09 or 10. So I feel like I pro this is probably one of those things I watched on like a Chinese streaming site in my dorm room. 
which yeah. is you know such the late 2000s mood it is you're right that's a good memory to have of hostel specifically yeah yeah i hadn't seen it since then though so it'd been a while definitely and i was i thought it held up pretty well you know despite you know the fashion and the phones being a little dated it's still you know it for a movie that a lot of people just sort of write off as torture porn, like it's it's actually got some stuff going on. It's got an interesting message, uh, characters who are actually, at least some of them are a little bit complicated. And, um, you know, the torture scenes aren't as over the top as they're made out to be. No, they're like super effective. Yeah. Like they're just long enough to be really effective. So it works. All right, so we've come to the end of our two movies, and I have an unfortunate announcement for you. What? We still have four retweets to take care of. Oh, my God. Why would you say that out loud? (laughs) What? I meant we have one retweet to take care of. Mm, One versus four is so different. Yeah. Um, so first of all, we would like to thank, uh, death by DVD for our first retweet. I, I, I am very grateful to death by DVD. Thank you so much. I mean, Cheers. I like DVDs. <gasps> Dear God. Our next retweet comes from the NRI Woman Podcast. Um, it's a podcast from two close friends of Indian origin with a passion for inspiring and interesting conversations. Me too. Same, same. Oh my God. You know what? Nobody ever tells you how terrible it is to do multiple shots in a row. Just like back to back. I feel like we don't talk enough about how bad it is to do multiple shots in a row. Honestly, I feel like most people probably just don't experience this issue. But that's true. You're right. Yeah. No. Uh, we clearly we clearly should have broken these up better. If no. We should have just like stopped the episode. But we didn't. <laughs> episode never stops um remember i said i would get us through this episode and it's happening it's happening we're almost there um we've only got like two more right right yeah our next retweet comes from uh the adventures of the awkward screw it is oh my a- gosh that is the title of my memoir i need to talk to them <laughs> it's all about that awkward screw this is a space adventure podcast. So, oh, that's uh, not the kind of screw I was thinking. Not the kind of screw you're thinking of, but um, it still sounds pretty fun. It does. I like a space adventure. Let's take the shot. All right. You know what? All right. I don't think I like makers anymore. 
<laughs> I still can't believe you're doing makers for all these shots. Yeah. The, well, I'm a mess, Teddy. The rum may not be great, but it's at least it's smoother than whiskey. That's <sighs> not true. Rum is the worst, whatever. Um, I mean, I like whiskey better. I don't like rum. Like, I really dislike rum. So That's funny. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't usually drink rum that much, but if you're taking a shot, that's my go-to, I think. Uh, tequila, but... <laughs> We'll save that for another day. Yeah, I have no chill. I just love tequila. Um, so our final retweet for the evening comes from hashtag Potter and Family. Um, thank you, Potter and Family. Thank you, Potter and Family. They're a great way to promote your podcasts. Um, and sometimes they'll retweet you if you tweet at them. And... Apparently, that's what happened this time, and that's what got us quite a few retweets. Not what we were expecting, but here we are. Yeah, I was honestly expecting like two retweets. <laughs> we're sticking to our guns, though. We're men of our word. We are. We are. So, in honor of that word, let's do that last shot for hashtag Pondering Family. I can't believe we just did like five shots, whatever. We're professionals, all right? Don't try this at home. That's honestly true. We are literally professional drinkers. Literally do not try this at home. I have... Not a good idea. I can confirm that Teddy and I have been professional drinkers for years. Also, I want to die right now, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, There's just so much Maker's Mark whiskey in my blood right now. I told you, man. I told you. See, the the rum is, it's not hor- It's not amazing, but it's not killing me right now. Well, the thing about rum is that it tastes like what eating death tastes like. So, how would you know what that's like? I've eaten death many times, Teddy. Are you a death eater? Uh, well, I've cheated death a few times. I'm sorry. Uh Um, i'm living in the final destination universe which would literally be the most horrifying thing i could ever think of so or in the escape room universe i mean that was another parallel i drew by the way to get back to the movies um you know final destination final destination i thought yeah absolutely yeah in focusing on survivordom okay uh, parallels in order we've got Okay, so Hostel is like up there, but I don't think Hostel is even like first technically. I think Hostel right. is just a good one for us. Um, I think Saw is the closest. Saw is the closest, although I don't know. Cube is a really close parallel. Right. Like, because Cube, Cube probably... does a lot less like you have to kill yourself to get out of this. Cube is a lot more like solve the puzzle or you're doomed. Like So Cube is probably the closest in terms of structure, but in terms of tone, I thought it wasn't quite the same because Cube is yes, like I so surreal yeah. and strange and mysterious, whereas Escape Room, you know, it's relatively straightforward. They can tell like someone put this Escape Room together and your goal is to escape from it. Cube, like you don't know if you're ever going to escape. You don't know what you're doing here. And they like the people in the Cube don't even know how they got there which is, a, I think, a big difference. But right. structurally, um, like in terms of the fact that they're moving from room to room and stuff, that that is quite similar. Um, I agree with you. I think you're right. Um, 
And then yeah, yeah so saw obviously is Cuban big. saw um hostels it's, up there and then final destination i think final destination is like a top ranked like it's very similar and i don't really know where how to draw that comparison but it's there yeah no like the it's it's sort of like just a thematic similarity in that you, there's it's about that escaping focus. death like yeah on escaping like, death and the fact that even if you do escape death death is still going to come back for you and that's sort of how the escape room works. These are all people who survive these situations that should have killed them. And um, the people who are running the escape room sort of came back for a second pass trying to kill right. them all off. Okay, um, can we lay some bets out for the sequel? Like, do you think that in the sequel, everybody on the plane is going to be like, they've experienced a near-death experience before? Like... Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I see. I don't know. I feel like the whole plane thing, they're kind of writing themselves into a corner there. Well, I feel like we'll get a ton of backstory with the yeah. plane thing. Like it'll it's... be like a movie. So I feel like the movie's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be a movie where it's set around the plane thing and we'll get a ton of backstory. Right. Or it's a movie that takes place after the plane thing and we just find out via like, like side comments what happened to yeah. Zoe and Ben. You so know? I feel like what I think is going to happen is the plane thing is going to resolve itself in like the first five to 10 minutes, either by like you see it happen and whoever dies dies or whatever, or they end up taking a different plane or something or outsmarting them so that their plane plan doesn't go off. But um, I don't think it's going to be a central focus of the next movie. I don't, th I feel like it shouldn't be. If they're smart, it right. won't be. Because, like, I don't know. If they did that, it would just, it would be so different. They'd have to focus the entire movie in this one plane, which would be kind of a, like, not a very interesting setting. Whereas they, like, this movie had... Are you kidding me? Have you ever seen snakes on a plane? Okay, that was cool in its own reason, because <laughs> snakes and because of Samuel L. Jackson. But it... Like when you compare all the rooms that they put together for escape room versus just the cockpit and passenger cabin of a plane, there's just there's not as much to work with. I feel like they're going to do something else that works off of how elaborate they made the settings in this movie. You're probably right. You're probably right. But I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Like the plane thing definitely sort of pigeonholes them a little bit. So we'll have to see how they work their way out of that. I think there's definitely going to be a sequel because despite the fact that this movie isn't getting particularly great reviews, I think it's doing pretty decently at the box office, right? Yeah, it is. It's fine. Uh, It's made. Yeah, it's made more than double its budget, so. And it's still got a few weeks to go yeah. before it starts uh, disappearing from theaters. So I think it'll make enough to justify a sequel. I think there'll definitely be a sequel. I don't know if it'll be like theatrically released or what, but, yeah. but what's it going to be called? Escape Room 2? That's not a great <laughs> name for a movie, but. Escape Tomb? Escape Tomb. Hopefully tomb is spelled like t-o-m-b yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, but you know, I I'd like to see a sequel. I thought this was pretty good compared to what I expected. And yeah, yeah, same. I'm always down like uh, obviously there's been a lot of great horror out recently. Um but it's it's been a lot of more offbeat independent original horror this feels a lot more like the franchise horror that we're used to and it's been a while since we've had a a new franchise really take off well the last well i mean that's not fair i was gonna say the last franchise was saw but um the conjuring is really the last yeah like the conjuring stuff like that all like all that all the annabelle movies that whole universe they're sort of building there i will say it's this is the last like so like we had the conjuring we had paranormal activity and stuff like that this is the last like we hadn't had a non-paranormal horror right. franchise take off in a while like yes that's a good point and those are two very different brands of horror it's like supernatural versus non-supernatural so yeah it was nice to see one take off that's not like about you know ghosts and demons yeah, you know, it's. I mean, I won't say it's more down to earth because this thing is so ridiculously over the top. But um, you know, it has it works within the constraints of a realistic, non supernatural world. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Realistic in quotes because I mean, some of the technology they have in this is just absurd. Yeah, I don't think that that's real, but that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, I think that pretty much does it for Escape Room and Hostel. I think uh, you're right. It's uh, it's a comparison that a lot of people are drawing. And uh, we just thought we'd delve really in-depth into it. Uh, and we As hope always. It, hope it was at least somewhat illuminating. Yes. Um, it, to, to wrap us up, uh, check us out on Twitter. We're at BuzzedOnMovies. Um, if you retweet us, if you retweet this episode, uh, we might dedicate a shot to you in the next one. As long as, you know, it doesn't kill us. I really liked the hedging there. Might. (laughs) Um, As long as. Goddamn, this one was kind of rough, but we'll see. This was, I'm like struggling right now. We dare you. We dare you to make it a lot of retweets. Yeah, please retweet us. Let's do it. Kill us. That's what we're looking for. Don't kill us. Come on. All right. Hostel (laughs) 4. Hostel 4. Death by shots. Drink themselves Um, to death. Okay. Um, Also, you know, uh, check us out on iTunes. Review us. Subscribe if you like what we're putting out. We're available on a lot of different platforms. We're also on Spotify, uh, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts. Podbean and Pocket Cast. So if those are what you like to use to listen to podcasts, uh, subscribe to us on there. Give us a review if you like what we're putting down. Um, and if you use something different, let us know. Um, we're always trying to get on new platforms. So we're glad to add ourselves wherever you may find convenient. Just reach out in general. Listen, let's talk. So yeah. let's talk movies. Yeah. Get in contact with us on Twitter um, because we'll tweet you back.
And as always, we'll see you at the movies. See you at the movies.